0: And tonight we are reviewing the races on Bristol Dirt from this past weekend. So uh, joining me shortly is our co-host, Sal Segala. In our first half hour, we are going to start with short track news, updates from the Arca Menards, Arca East, and Arca West Series, along with the NASCAR Xfinity Series. We'll do all that in the first 15 minutes. Then we'll review the NASCAR Truck Series race that took place on Bristol Dirt this weekend. At 9 o'clock, uh, starting with our second half hour here, our guest is NASCAR Truck Series driver Nick Sanchez. He's the driver of the number two for Rev Racing, and he's going to join our conversation. And afterward, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series race also on dirt at Bristol. We're at 9.30 tonight. We will start our Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with the Fan for Racing crew. Tonight, I believe, uh, is just going to be uh, Jay Huseman and Andy Lasky joining me for Hot Topics uh, here tonight. All right, I'm going to get started with some short-track news. Um, <clears throat> we do have uh, a little bit of short-track news here that I can go over, uh, starting with... Um, some of the things that are going on this weekend. Uh, let's let's see if I can get my notes up here real quick. All right. Uh, let's start with some short track news here very quick. Uh, I'm just going to do the short tracks. You know, we've talked about this before. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to return to North Rooksboro Speedway for a second run at that track in the upcoming Car's late model race and uh, you can read more about that at uh, flow racing from brandon paul also uh, sundrop is going to be the sponsor for dale earnhardt in his late model efforts so uh, you can read more about that over at short track scene let me see if sal's come on board here yet nope no sal okay So, um, also, Connor Hall and Brendan Queen went 1-2 in the Twins' 50 at Langley Speedway this past weekend. And then Rackley War prospect, Dawson Sutton, scored his first Alan Turner Pro Late Model Division race out at Five Flags Speedway. You can read about both of those over at Short Track Scene from Matt Weaver. And Thunder Road Super Bowl plans to have a late model all-star race alongside its superstar racing experience in July. Also, it was announced this past week that uh, uh, Daniel Suarez is going to be making a uh, run in the SRX Series this year, so uh, a lot to look forward to with that as well. Okay. Uh, Also, if you want to update yourself with what's happening in the short track world, uh, there is Racing America, uh, Flow Racing, and Short Track Scene. They all do a great job of uh, giving the latest news. Also, I want to mention over at um, uh, Racing America, they have the 2023 Kawiki Driver Development Program finalists were announced today And uh, Jackson Boone, Jacob Borst, Max Cookson, Hayden Pleiben, Evan Schatko, Raleigh Stenzem, and LaVon Vandergeist were all part of those finalists. So uh, pretty exciting uh, to see that happening here uh at uh with the Alan Kowicki program it's a, it's a long standing program that's uh, done a really good job now I want to move over to the Arkham Menard series uh they are not racing this weekend um they are going to be racing uh in a couple of weeks here and uh the first race that's coming up is going to be out at Talladega Super Speedway on April the twenty second at twelve thirty PM Eastern time, the General Tire two hundred, that will be televised on Fox Sports One. On that same date, the Arca West will be racing out at Kern County Raceway Park. Uh the Napa Auto Parts Blue Death uh one fifty will take place on April twenty second at eleven fifteen PM Eastern time and uh, a lot to look forward to there okay let me see if sal's here yet it looks like he is all right welcome to the show sal
1: oh good evening sharon thank you
0: okay now i I was just uh doing the arca part of the show here uh given the updates of when the next races are uh the last one that i'm going to mention here is the general tire 125 Uh, That will take place on April the 28th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. That's for the ARCA East Series, and that will be at Dover Motor Speedway. Uh, That race, along with the ARCA West race, will be available on Flow Racing via live streaming. So, uh, again, Arca, ARCA Racing always has so many great articles. And, of course, Christopher Bell is another alumni. Of the Arca Menard Series uh, that won a race in NASCAR this weekend, so.
1: Yes, he is. Uh, he's a um, – gosh, I forget who he raced with when he was with, with Arca, but, yeah, he was a big uh, – probably Joe Gibbs because that, that's who he's with right now, and I think Joe, Joe's one that brought him up.
0: Yeah, I think so. he had maybe a few stints with uh, Venturini as well. Uh, but there's so many great uh, articles that they put up here – at uh, arcaracing.com, and I really encourage everybody uh, to go to the website and check it out uh, and uh, just see. uh, They're they're talking about Elko Speedway is going to host the Menards 250 in June. Uh, Advanced tickets for the Dutch Boy 150 are available for the race that's going to take place at Flat Rock Speedway. So uh, some exciting things happening here in the Arca Menards Series.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a lot of things happening, going to be coming up here pretty soon. Um, I'm sure you've already covered, you know, the upcoming races um, in a couple weeks at Kern, so.
0: Yes, yes, we already covered that, and we know that's going to be a big event uh, that's going to be taking place out there at Kern Raceway uh, very soon. Um, Now... Let's see if there's anything else I want to make sure we mention from Arca Racing. I think I just ARCA. Here we go. Okay. Do you want to cover the points for any of these series?
1: Uh, Yeah. Let me. Which one which are we doing first?
0: Well, let's do the Arca Menard series, the main series.
1: Okay, so, so the so standings for the Arkham and Art series is Greg Van Als is leading the points. Frankie Williams is gosh, they've only got two races in. Frankie Williams mm-hmm. is in second. Tony uh Constantino's the third. Jesse Loves in fourth. Christian Rosen is in fifth. Jack Woods in sixth. Tyler Rice in seventh with one with uh, one race in. Connor Mozak is in eighth was one race in, and Andres perez De Lara is in ninth, and Tony Breidinger round off the, the top ten in the Arkham and series.
0: Yes, and uh, it was confirmed today that Christian Rose is going to be our guest uh, this next Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll look forward to catching up with Christian Rose uh, next week, this, ne- this next, uh, Monday, which will be April, April the 17th. So, uh, very cool. Also, uh, what about the ARCA East? ARCA East only has one race in, let's do the ARCA West, because I think they have a couple of races okay. in.
1: Yeah, Ar- ARCA West has, I was going to say ARCA East only has a race in, so really they don't really have nothing going on there. Arca West has two races in and Tyler Reif is still leading the points. Uh Landon Lewis is in second. Trevor Hoddles is in third. Bradley Erickson's in fourth. Kyle Keller in fifth. Sean Hingarani is in sixth. Tanner Reif is in seventh. Todd Seuss is in eighth. Takuma Koga in ninth. And uh looks They're like Eric Nastamethos <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like Eric Nascimento's in tenth. But actually, he's an 11th, probably because of his age. He's the youngest one in the series right now. So they wow. might have taken a spot away from him.
0: Okay. Um, we're gonna move on now to the Xfinity series. Uh, all of the series that we've talked about so far, they have not raced yet this weekend. Uh, so that's why we're kind of speeding through this in the first 15 minutes. Uh, but the team that did race this week, also did not race this weekend, is the Xfinity Series. So um, the Xfinity Series, uh, let me give you when their next race is. Uh, I believe they'll be racing at uh, Martinsville Speedway in a couple of, in this coming week. So uh, yeah, go- they'll be racing. They call 811.com dot com before you dig two fifty at Martinsville on Saturday, April the 15th, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So Martinsville is going to be a lot of fun to watch this weekend, and uh, let's take a look at the standings here in the uh, Xfinity Series.
1: Okay, the Xfinity Series... um... There's a big shake-up after this weekend, so let's see what the shake-up is.
0: Well, this um, weekend they didn't race.
1: No, I know. I was just saying that.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> well, the driver points are still the same. Chris Bell is still leading the points.
0: Are Ross, you looking at the Xfinity Series?
1: Yeah, it was, and then it we me for a loop. It would
0: be Austin Hill. Chris Bell isn't yeah, in there. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying. No, no, I know. Austin Hill, Riley Herbs, John Hunter Nemechek third, Chandler Smith and fourth, Josh Berry fifth, Justin Allgaier sixth, and then from there we go to Sheldon Creed seventh, Sam Mayer eighth, Sammy Smith ninth, Cole Custer tenth, Daniel Hemric eleventh, and Parker Klingerman round up the top. The top okay. twelve that will go to the to the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be exciting. Um, again you've got uh Austin Hill with three wins so far this season. He's kind of the leader in that category. Other winners this season are John Hunter Nimachak, Chandler Smith and Sammy Smith. All have wins so far this season in uh let's see, that's only six races. Who else won? won. Seven races. Yeah, I've only got, I only show six winners. It must be somebody outside of the Xfinity Series. Because uh, I've got John Hunter Nemechek, Chandler Smith, and Sammy Smith all having wins. And then Austin Hill has the three wins, but they've seven starts in the books already. So somebody outside of the Xfinity Series won.
2: It is.
1: It's A.J. Allmendinger. He won at the uh, Roval Okay, not, was so, the, not the Roval. He won it. AJ Allmendinger won it at the at, uh, road They raced that. Cody, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's the seven races that we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, it's been, I think, fun to watch them this year, and uh, I know we'll have a lot of fun continuing to watch them as the season progresses. I want to move on to the truck series because uh, – Uh, We had a winner there this weekend on the Dirt Race at Bristol, the Weather Guard Truck Race on Dirt. The winner, though, was Joey Logano from the Cup Series at age 32, driving the number 66 Hang 10 Car Wash Ford for Thor Sport Racing. His crew chief this weekend was Vance Hayfilly. Uh, It was his second victory in nine Craftsman Truck Series races, his first victory and first top-ten finish in 23, his first victory and second top-ten finish in two races at Bristol on Dirt. Ty Majeski finished second, posting his first top-ten finish in two races at Bristol on Dirt, and his fifth top-ten finish so far this season. William Byron finished third posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Bristol Dirt. And Jake Garcia, what a great finish he had, sixth place. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And uh, this was a very exciting uh, race uh, to watch. It was Joy Logano who was moonlighting this weekend uh, in the truck series uh, that won that Weather Guard truck series race on dirt. Uh, Logano <clears throat> performed the perfect Bristol stomp by winning that race. And rain- he's the reigning Cup Series champion. He swept the first two stages of the race at Bristol, and then led 138 of 150 laps, crossing the finish line 1.241 seconds ahead of his teammate at ThorSport Racing, Ty Majeski. Uh, Let's see. Ty Majewski finished second, followed by William Byron. Then it was Matt Crafton, Grant Infinger, Jake Garcia, Chase Briscoe, Tanner Gray, Caden Honeycutt, and Matt DiBenedetto rounding out the top ten. Zane Smith never led a lap, but he finished 21st. Joey Logano won the stages one and two. There were four lead changes among three drivers. Eleven cautions for sixty six yellow flag laps. The average speed of that race on the Bristol short track was thirty nine point three oh one miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers here, Sal?
1: Yeah, minus um all the cup guys that were in there. Uh I guess Dymozky is the only one. Matt Crafton got anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Minus all the all the cup guys that were racing this weekend. Um, good run by Jake Garcia, rookie for uh Bill McAuliffe racing and uh getting that stay consistent, getting that sixth place finish. Um Tanner Gray you know, with the eighth and uh well can't say much about the race winner, Joey Logano and the third place winner William Byron, since they were all um, cup cup drivers coming up, you know, to get some a little bit more experience on the dirt, you know, so they get mm-hmm. prepped for their race on Sunday. So, yep. Uh, yep. Congrats to Ty who was the highest finishing Truck Series regular, you know, in second yeah, place. Yeah, Jonathan so, Davenport
0: you know. finished uh, 14th. He came in as a, a kind of a dirt specialist. Uh, and came home with a fourteenth place, and she said the suspension's a little bit different than what he's accustomed to, uh, but that that's not bad.
1: No, actually, it was it was good, and then um, Dean Thompson coming back and finishing twelfth after that crash that he had last week.
0: Yes, You know yes. to be you able
1: know, to uh, to recover to recover from the crash, you know, to go back and race this week.
0: Also, our guest coming up at the top of the hour is uh, Nick Sanchez. He came home with an 18th place finish. He's had some amazing stats uh, so far this year. Uh, he's got two poles this season, and uh, in the Truck Series, and to include two top tens and one top five. I know it looked like he was going to win that race at. Uh, Texas Motor Speedway, and then they had that incident at the end of the race that kind of took him out of the running. But that finish that he had at Texas did not reflect how well he ran for most of that race. Okay, let me kind of move on here then. Um, We had several drivers who had uh, accidents. Uh, in this race, Stefan Parsons was out on lap 7, as was Mason, Mason Macy, uh, both of them out, out due to accidents. Taylor Gray had an accident on lap 8, Tyler Ingram on lap 25, Chris Wright on lap 75, Parker Kligerman was out on lap uh, 85 due to an accident, and Christian Eckes on lap 96 because of an accident. Tyler Carpenter on lap 117. Uh, A few other drivers here uh, finished uh, laps down. Three laps down were Tanner Carrick, Kobe Howard, and Chase Purdy. Uh, Two laps down were Timmy Hill, uh, and uh, those were the only drivers uh, that did not uh, finish all 150 laps at Bristol Motor Speedway. Any other thoughts that you have here for the uh, cup series or truck series before we move on to the points?
1: No, not really Sheridan was out. uh i didn't I missed the race I really wanted to see it, but we had Ordale running this weekend, so couldn't really take uh, the the time to yeah, so I didn't get a chance to see it but um I really want yeah, to see I wanted it but you to hear know congrats to
0: too, but we're on such a tight <laughs> schedule tonight how how yeah. did that race go?
1: It was a, it was a good weekend at Oredale. You know, we had, we we have our junior late model program now. That's in full swing. So, um, this was their second race. The first week we had five cars. This week we had six cars. So it was kind of weird to see a little 12 year old boy get out of the car and he couldn't <laughs> even climb on the hood to celebrate. He was trying to climb up, but he couldn't make it.
0: So
2: oh, he just kind right. of had to
1: stand at the bottom. Yeah. He, he, didn't, he, you could barely see him over the top of the roof of the car. Oh, wow! Uh, uh, those kids, well, man. I'll tell you, man, they got they got some heart. They put put on a good race.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That is really awesome. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the points report here in the NASCAR Xfinity series.
1: In the Xfinity, you mean in the truck series? I
0: mean in the truck series. Yeah, I do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just did the ones for the. So the driver points are his stands. Um, Ty Majewski still leading the points. Zane Smith in second. Ben Rhodes in third. Matt Crafton in fourth. Christian Eckes in fifth. Grant Infinger in sixth. Corey Hyman seventh. Tanner Gray in eighth. Matt D. Benedetto in ninth. And Nick Satch is holding up the 10th spot as uh, so far as the highest rookie.
0: Yes, the highest finishing rookie uh, in the uh, series point standings right now. Uh, he's he's going to have to uh, do some stuff, though. He's only one point to the good. No, he's one point. Let me look at this. He's one point under Matt Benedetto, or two points, I guess, under Matt Benedetto. So um, it, it's a tight battle on that bubble.
1: Oh, yes, it is, and Chase Purdy is right there, only one point behind uh, Nick Sanchez, so um, anything can happen between those bottom four, you know, as far as, you know, a good finish, a bad finish, you know, and we'll see what happens, you know, as the weeks go on and see how the see how this battle progresses.
0: Okay, okay. Um yeah, I'm doing I'm double doing here. Uh yeah, I I really uh like watching the truck series race and uh there are a number of drivers that are right on the heels there. So, uh it's going to be fun to see how this continues to play out in the next uh few weeks. Uh the next race by the way for the NASCAR truck series is going to be at uh, the Long John Silver's 200 that will take place this weekend uh, at Martinsville Speedway. That race will take place Friday, April the 14th, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And Jay and I will preview that race on Thursday night's radio show. Uh, But there's some news here that uh, I wanted to make sure we mentioned here tonight as well. Uh, On Point Motorsports uh, has announced that they, Jonathan Schaefer is going to make his uh, truck series debut, uh, at Martinsville, this speedway. Uh, and, uh, he'll be driving the number 30 Toyota Tundra for the team. Uh, so, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, been racing since he was four and a half years old, racing USAC quarter midgets, and then went on to the National USAC midget racing to include the Chili Bowl for Keith Coons Motorsports. He went on to the world of outlaw dirt sprint cars, late models, and in the Cars Tour series and raced the Arkham Menard series. Um, he's also a part of the TRD Toyota driver family, so he comes from Ashland, uh, Ohio. And uh, he's from the same hometown as uh, NASCAR's uh, Tim Richmond, uh, giving a, another connection to the sport. So uh, it's good to hear somebody else making their debut in the Truck Series this weekend.
1: Oh yeah, sure is. Anytime we anytime you get a driver making their debut, you know what? It's it's really neat. You know, to see it. You know, and especially you know to watch them. You know, as they progress, as they get older, and they you know start getting more get more of their feet wet, per se, inside the series.
0: Okay. Uh, when Jonathan was asked about his debut at Martinsville, he says, I'm beyond excited to make my first NASCAR Craftsman, craftsman Truck Series race with On Point Motorsports at one of my favorites. Uh, tracks martinsville speedway i consider this to be my home track because my mom's family lives right down the road and i've spent a lot of time in this area when i was growing up my goal is to give stephen lane the owner of on point motorsports and the team a good finish and a run every lap with no damage uh with funding and sponsorship i hope to run seven more races this year with on point motorsports so uh, he does come in with quite a list of sponsors on his car for this weekend.
1: Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It looks good so far.
0: It does. We will have to see how he does in his. You know, whenever you're making your debut in a in a in the, uh, in the truck series, and especially at a track like uh, Martinsville. <laughs> If you can bring yeah. the whole car home clean, you've accomplished a lot.
1: Oh, yeah, without a mark on it. If you can just bring it home, period, without a crash, you're you're looking really exactly. good.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Now, I want to get into Nick Sanchez because uh, he's going to be coming up on the radio show here in just a few minutes. And I know that... Uh, jay's already told me he's got a question for him i'm going to kind of represent jay on that Uh, but um, uh, also uh, i mentioned earlier that he's got some uh, good racing stats so far in his first year in the truck series we mentioned that uh, he has two poles he's got two top tens a top five finish and, uh, Sal mentioned that he's in top 10, the highest rookie in the point standings for the truck series, which is really big.
1: Oh yeah, it is. You know what, it's, it's going to be neat, you know, when we finally get to get a word with him, you know, and ask him what it's like, you know, what, you know, what his outlook is, you know, for the rest of the season. And, and, um, you know, to think that he's, um, also leading the, uh, the rookie of the year standings too, above um, above um, uh, Phil McAnally Racing's um, Jake, Jake Garcia.
0: Yes, yes, uh, he's gonna he's uh, got some tough competition for that rookie of the year honors uh, in the Craftsman Truck Series, but Jake is holding his own. Or, I mean, uh, Nick is holding his own, so uh, I think it's all good
1: oh yeah he's he's doing good, so i mean he's he's got to have a lot of confidence you know going through the rest of the season, you know you know being and being in that in that spot you know in that position you know and uh, it, you know,
0: know racing is fielding a car full time in the truck series, so that's really cool to see too,
1: yeah, I was just gonna say i mean it's. It's different. I mean, I'm sure it has to be different because now, because the one, first of all, it's a one-truck team. You know, that's how that's how Bill McAlley got started with the one-truck team. You know, then from there, you know, they branched out and got the two trucks with, uh, with, um, uh, um, Jake Garcia and, uh... Well, I know
0: Lavar Scott and, um and Jack Wood are going to be racing part-time this season as well. So there are going to be times that he's going to have some teammates there. But let me bring uh, Nick into the queue here. He has arrived. I know we're about a minute early, but I'm going to go ahead and get started. And uh, first of all, Nick, I want to say welcome back to fan for racing Radio. It's always good to have you on the show, and uh, we're we're looking forward to talking with you.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Nick, we've been talking about uh, how well you're doing in the truck series this year. It's the first year that Rev Racing has been uh, racing full-time in the truck series, and uh, you get to be the driver that kind of gets to carry that banner. Uh, How do you feel about that and uh, uh, your thoughts about uh, racing full-time in the truck series this year?
3: Yeah, you know, first of all, you know, really thankful for them, Gainbridge and Chevrolet, uh, for using me this opportunity. And, and like you said, you know, being, being the one that gets to drive these trucks. And you know, it's you know, as for how the years have gone, I, I mean, I feel like we've probably been the fastest truck in the series. You know, uh, just came close a couple of times, just haven't uh, haven't you know came up with a win yet. Uh, so you know, honestly, this year is just about me learning the trucks and these first couple of races, I'm just, you know, trial and error, uh, different scenarios that I put myself in that, um, you know, these trucks react differently. Um, so just getting used to that, uh, you know, working on myself as a driver and, uh, just chasing wind.
0: Okay. Well, I thought you were going to do it out at Texas motor speedway a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you were so close and, um, uh, uh, I know that, uh, There was an incident there at the end of the race uh, that uh, didn't give you the finish uh, that you really deserved at that track. Uh, Talk about how frustrating it is to race sometimes uh, in those situations uh, because it's happening not just in the truck series. It's happening in the cup series and everywhere right now. Drivers are talking about the frustrations of uh, the uh, tight and close racing that's happening uh
3: how was that for you Nick? Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't really put the blame on any singular person for that incident, you know. It's just hard racing for the win. Honestly, I don't expect I don't expect anyone to let up or lift in that situation. I know I wouldn't. So, uh I mean, yeah, it is frustrating, but you know, I'm going for the win and I'm going to I put it all out on the line and you know, I was aggressive and you know, so were the, all those other trucks. So, you know, I really can't fault anyone for that. But, you know, this year I I haven't really experienced um, any like wrecking sort of stuff that they're experiencing in the, in the cup series, you know, I've kind of tried to keep to myself and stay out of trouble and stay out of this situations. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really can't put, like I said, I really can't put the blame on anyone for Texas, you know, it's just hard racing and, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to win. So, uh, every yeah, single time I... I'm in that situation.
0: Yeah, I think it was just one of those racing things that happened. Um, But uh, now, do you have an alliance with uh, KBM as well at racing, right, in that first year of Uh, the truck? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, so how is that going for you?
3: Yeah, you know, it's going well, obviously, as you know, everyone sees that alliance is working well, and, you know, our trucks have really good speed because of it. So uh it's been nice to work with everyone uh at Reveration as well as everyone at KBM and it's a really good uh, technical partner to have.
0: It really is. And do you get a chance to talk with Kyle Bush? Does does he kind of help you out?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely get a chance to pick his brain and you know um you know you know, use use all his knowledge over the years that he's garnered and use it to my advantage. So, you know, that's definitely one of the assets I have available.
0: Without a doubt. Uh, That's one thing I do like about Kyle Busch is he's so good about giving back to up-and-coming drivers. Um, And, and, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that you have uh, one top five, you have two top tens, you have two poles this year. Uh, one of them was at Texas motor speedway and, uh, your top 10 in the series point standings. you got to feel good about that.
3: You're the uh, yeah. Listener. You know, I, yeah. I mean, you know, honestly to me, points is, you know, I, I don't want to rely on points is the way I look at it. I want to, you know, every week, you know, I don't, I don't points race. I race for the win and, you know, I honestly points to me, uh, almost means nothing in a sense. I know that sounds bad, but you know, uh, I just want to win, and I know if I win, I'm locked in the playoffs, and then I focus on getting more wins and not have to worry about points. So uh, points are cool, but, I mean, playoff points is what I look at.
0: Okay. I just want to mention uh, another member of our Fan for Racing crew is not on the show tonight. uh, A couple of the questions that I asked in, the balance between confidence and frustration and coming so close to winning, and then also – uh, the growth of the team at Rev Racing, uh, now racing full-time in trucks in the alliance with KBM. So those all came from Jay Huseman, who co-hosts with us on Thursday nights. But right now, I'm going to pass the baton over to Sal Segala because I know he has some questions for you as well. And he is on the show tonight as co-host. Of
1: course. First of all, Nick, uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight. You know, and taking the time out, you know, to you know spend a few moments with us and you know and, and answer some of our questions. It's it's kind of unique, like Sharon said, you know, to have you know somebody from Rev, Rev Racing on the truck part of the, you know, the Craftsman Truck part of the series because we're used to you know talking to, you know, everybody you know that are racing the stock cars. So, um, what what was it that how did you get involved with the, with the truck part
3: of of road racing? Uh, I mean, you know, it was, I, I kind of was involved, right? I raced for them at ARCA, and, you know, the next step after ARCA is obviously trucks. So, you know, that was a collective agreement, you know, with me and the team. And, you know, Max Eagle has been working very hard for many months, um, you know, even since probably the mid part of 2022 to try to make this truck deal a reality. So, uh, you know, it was a natural progression that, uh, you know, obviously – Revs, you know, helped me tremendously in my career since 2017. So for me, it was a no-brainer to continue with them in the truck series.
1: Yeah, you know, and especially the, you know, with the success, you know, that you brought, you know, from the Arca series, you know, over into the truck series. You know, then like Sherry mentioned, you know, having the alliance with, you know, with Kyle Busch, you know, jumping on board, you know, to, you know, to give you guys all the supports you need. I'm sure that in itself is a huge confidence booster especially you know when you look at how well you know Kyle has done you know with um with uh
3: with um helping out the you know younger drivers get acclimated to the trucks yeah you know he's he definitely been a big help you know answering a lot of the questions I have and just you know continuously building building me to be a better driver so uh, yeah all those factors come into play and you know they help me tremendously
1: so, you know, you, you know, you come into the truck series, you know what, and now, you know, it's a whole different game you know, as far as the way the truck's handle. What is the biggest adjustment, you know, that you feel that you had to make, you know, you know, coming in, you know, to, you know, to race,
3: you know, full time this year, you know, as compared to the Arco car? Um, the biggest adjustment, I would say, you know, the arrow, the arrow, maybe a little bit of the arrow, I guess, you know, they punch a bigger hole, you know, it's, Harder to shake people off at the mile and a half, so you gotta you gotta do some things different. You gotta work a little bit harder on you know after restart to make sure you, you you get away. Try to break their draft a little bit. So just that side of it's a little bit more heightened heightened. But as, you know at the end of the day, it's just you know it's another racing vehicle and you know it it just it it drives just like anything I've driven. You know you just gotta drive it hard and you know I think the biggest thing for me is unfortunate to have you know amazing group of guys and amazing equipment that honestly, it makes my life a lot easier when, when I really just got to go to the track focusing on myself, not anyone else.
1: So, um, um, coming in this season, how, how hard is it you know, to get acclimated You know, to, you know, now you, know, you have pit stops. Also, you know, the races are a little bit longer and the trucks, gosh, they really put on one heck of a show. I mean, these guys, they, they're pretty uh, aggressive out there, you know, as far as, you know, the way they race, you know, they're, you know, bumping and banging, you know what, and and, um, you know, they're kind of like uh, kind of like the old-school NASCAR, you know, guys, you know, for back-of-the-day races.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, ending last year in the Xfinity Series, um, it was kind of almost going a step backwards, right, shorter <coughs> races. Um, I feel like, you know, maybe the trucks are easier to drive in a sense. So, uh, you know, the length of the races, honestly, they felt really short uh, to me, you know, Obviously, you know I have top top-notch pit crew, so that means I need to be a top-notch driver on pit road. So just you know working on that, um, and really the restarts I approached it right. Like I don't I don't want to have to thrash out there. I mean, obviously at Texas, at the end of the race we evidently had enough restarts to where I was you know I was just racing hard and you know I got got kind of put in a position. But you know this year I just really want to focus on almost not racing anyone, right? Like you know all those restarts in Texas before that, you know I, I made it a point to you know. Play games, get a good restart, and get away. So I don't have to sit there and you know door door people and you know race aggressively. I just want to drive away. So uh, you know that's that's my approach every race, right? I don't want to I don't want to sit there and play with guys on restarts. I want to I want to check out. So uh, you know I think in that series that's all you can do because you know it's so unpredictable racing people and you know getting caught in uh, people's mistakes and also you know uh, getting caught in those restarts and making mistakes yourself like like I did at Vegas. So. Uh, I just want to, want to try drive away from people on the restarts. It's the best, uh, the best advice I gave myself.
1: You don't want to, and actually that, that's good advice because that's even like, you know, um, I, uh, I, I do a lot of short track, um, photography, you know, that's one thing. you know, a lot of the older drivers tell the younger, you know, drivers coming up, you know, to the, you know, to the junior late model program, to the, even to the, pros you know as they said you know you got to work on your restarts you know because you know if, if you can get away like you said if you can get away on a restart you know what that you know you got half the half the battles already won but then now you're talking about trying to do it on dirt how tough was it to do it this
3: past weekend you know at, at uh bristol yeah well dirt you know was obviously it wasn't ideal with the qualifying and you know the qualifying races You know, i felt like i had a much faster truck than where i started which was obviously i mean nobody's fault It's just you know the way it is and obviously started 17th and I feel like I wasn't doing the best job um on the dirt but it was just hard you know for me to, to get by people uh you know it was kind of literally like kind of stuck in the mud out there so uh I mean it was it, it was fun right I enjoyed it it's a new challenge new way of driving but um just you know stock cars it's not like driving a micro or you know even like a dirt light model on dirt it's just you know <laughs> rolling around there tumbling and something that's probably not supposed to be. Yeah. It was okay. It was, I enjoyed it. Anytime I get to drive a race car, I enjoy it. So it wasn't bad. Well, with
1: that, Nick, I just want to say, uh, you know, good luck the rest of the season, you know, and ho- hopefully the next time, you know, we get you on here, you know, it'll be, you know, cause you went and, uh, grab that checkered flag, you know, from the starter stand over there, you know, and, uh, like I just want to say, uh, like I said, best of luck the rest of the season. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Thank you.
0: Okay, Nick. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, with the schedule coming up, uh, we're going to Martinsville this weekend. How are you feeling about racing at Martinsville?
3: Oh uh, Yeah, you know, Martinsville feels really good. Uh, me, you know, goals, the same, you know, I want to win uh it's it's my first time in a short track in these trucks so i'm really excited um uh, confident in the piece of meat uh my guys will bring and uh i feel like we'll have a really good shot
0: yeah i, I think your confidence has shown through this year um, as, uh, being the top uh, rookie in the series uh of of the tracks that are on the schedule which track are you looking forward to the most
3: uh me every single one of them i like I said earlier in the year, there's probably not a track that I look at that's, that I tell myself I can't have an opportunity to win so uh you know every every single track on the schedule um I feel like I'll have a shot, and I'm looking forward to every single time I get to jump in that number two gamebridge truck
0: all right uh and um I know that uh you've got um uh, other uh, rookies that you're competing with this season. Uh, who's your biggest competition for rookie of the year this year?
3: I, to myself, you know, I don't mean it disrespectfully to anyone, but you know, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't like to say I compete against anyone. Like I, I mean, when I go out there, I like to put myself in my own head space and, you know, it doesn't matter if they've been racing in the truck series for 20 years or they're a fresh rookie. You know, I, I I, I treat everyone the same. Race everyone the same, and you know, I just I I feel like you know I just got to compete against myself at this point.
0: Nick, I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, now, before you go, I want to give you a chance to do any other shout shoutouts uh, because sometimes you you we're asking you so many questions you don't get a chance to really shout out to those people that have kind of helped you. So let's do that now.
3: Yeah, yeah Obviously, you know Max Eagle Rep Racing. Gainbridge and Chevrolet, and you know, those are all my supporters, and you know, they're the ones who make this happen week in week out.
0: All right. Well, Nick Sanchez, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show. We always look forward to it, and uh, real happy to see you doing as well as you're doing in the Truck Series this year. Uh, and I uh, can't wait to see what happens as the rest of the season unfolds. And as uh, Sal said, we hope this isn't the last time you come on the show. We'll look forward to talking to you again somewhere down the road here.
3: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, Nick. Take care, and uh, thanks for being here. All right. Uh, that is Nick Sanchez with Rev Racing. And
1: uh I think he gave us a really nice interview now. Oh yeah, he did. You know, it was really, you know, nice to hear about the you know, everything that, you know, goes on, you know, especially, you know, making the transition, you know, with the um you know, with the uh Yeah um you know, uh with Rev racing, you know, you know, filling a you know, truck full time and, you know, him being the driver, you know, to to kind of break the ice in that perspective.
0: Yes. Yes, uh, i got to tell you, Sal really liked your question, too, about making the transition from ARC to the Truck Series uh, and the fact, you know, uh, that, uh, and he talks about the fact of how the arrow is so different and, and everything else. So that was a really good question as well.
1: Yeah, it's going to be neat to see how he progresses, you know, the rest of the season, um, you know, see how the team can come together, you know, Especially you know, being a new team, you know, we always, you know, like to watch, you know, to see how they um you know, to see how the you know, how they start, you know, middle of the season and then of course the big thing is, you know, how they how how they finish at the end of the season, you know, all the different like you said, all the different tracks you, hey, you still has to go to, you know, to yep. race the trucks. you know what, but but having the Good. backing from Cowboys Motorsports really helps a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, you know, he's got a great attitude about all of that, too. That's what I like. All right, we're going to uh, move on here to the Bristol uh, Motor Speedway Boot uh, City Dirt Race uh, with the race winner Christopher Bell at the age of 28. Gosh, it's hard to believe he's that it already. Uh, driving the number 20, DeWalt Powerstack Toyota, for Joe Gibbs racing with Adam Stevens on top of the pit box. It was his fifth victory in 116 Cup Series races, his first victory and sixth top ten finish in 23, and his first victory and second top ten finish in three races at Bristol on dirt. Tyler Reddick finished second, his third top ten finish in three races at Bristol dirt, and his fourth top ten finish this year. Austin Dillon posted a third-place finish, his first finish in three races at Bristol Dirt. And Ty Gibbs, who finished 10th, was the highest-finishing rookie of the race. Uh, This was an exciting race. Uh, Before Sunday night's Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway, Christopher Bell lamented that a Dirt guy hadn't won in the Cup Series, only race on the red clay at Thunder Valley. Uh, But he fixed that problem. Uh, This race uh, saw some hard feelings between pole winner Kyle Larson and Ryan Priest boil over. Uh, But in the end, it was Christopher Bell winning uh, that Food City uh, dirt race Uh, at bristol motor speedway Uh, again reddick finished second followed by ty Dillon. ricky stenhouse jr finished in fourth chase briscoe in fifth then it was uh justin haley martin truex jr todd gilliland kevin harvick and michael mcdowell Rounding out the top ten uh, Bell took the lead during the final stage break When he did not pit And he led the race the rest of the way The pole winner, Larson Led every lap in stage one But was involved in a couple of accidents Late in the race And could not continue He ended up finishing in 35th Stage one was won by Kyle Larson Stage two was won by Tyler Ruddick There were four lead changes Among four drivers 14 cautions for 73 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race 46.680 miles per hour. Your thoughts, Sal, about our top 10 here in the Cup Series?
1: Yeah, you know, like Christopher Bell said, you know, hadn't you know, they hadn't had a dirt guy, you know, winning the Cup Series, you know, and on the, you know, um, on
2: the dirt. (laughs) <laughs> you know,
1: on the dirt, yeah. So, you know, so for him, to, you know, to get, you know, it's, it's kind of fitting, you know, especially with the season he's been having so far this year,
3: you mm-hmm. know, and, and him
1: being a dirt guy himself, you know. So, you know, it's kind of neat to see that happen. Um, you know, then uh, let me see, where do we go from there? Uh, I well, guess Ty Gibbs are highest.
0: And Bell, Tyler, and Tyler Ruddick, uh, kind of competing at the end there. You thought one of the two of those guys was
1: going to win for sure. Oh yeah, Tyler Raddick just really went out there and, um, you know, and you know strutted his stuff too. Um, you know, then like I was saying, you know, Ty Gibbs, you know, being the highest finishing rookie, you know, grabbing that top ten spot. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Harvick continues to be solid this season. You know what, and, and him getting a, a top ten. And somebody we hadn't heard about the whole season was Ricky Stenhouse minus his uh, Daytona 500 <laughs> win. Other yeah. than that, he's been silent. You know, he so he sneaks up there you know, grab himself, you know, a, a good solid fourth-place finish. Um, Justin Haley, yeah, had... another driver we haven't heard from yeah. all season, you know, yeah. for him to get get up in there, you know, grab that sixth-place finish. So, um, you know, all in all, it was uh, – a Gosh, it was it was weird to not see fans in the stands. We've seen well, Bristol in yeah, you know, a complete total sellout. It's a
0: shame because I thought that one was uh, one of the best uh, races that we've seen on dirt at Bristol. Um, there were some accidents in this race like we saw in the uh, Truck Series race, but not as many. Joey Logano had an accident on lap 96 taking him out of the race. Jonathan Davenport on lap 176. And on lap 177, it was Kyle Larson. It was that incident between him and uh, Ryan Priest. Noah Gregson, uh, I'm sorry, had an engine issue that took him out of the race on lap uh, 185. Noah Gregson was out on lap 205. Uh, Actually, he wasn't out. He just finished that many laps down. Uh, So that's 45 laps down. Uh, Kyle Busch was uh, out on lap 236 because of suspension issues. Eric Almarola, uh finished uh, 10 laps down. Then uh, Corey LaJoy was down three laps. Alex Bowman, two laps down. Ross Chastain, one lap down. So um, uh, an interesting race. Like I said, I thought it was one of the better ones we've seen at Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt.
1: Yeah, you know, you start looking at all these drivers. You know, all the laps that were, you know, the ones at the bottom. You know, we had um, mm-hmm. 27 drivers. You know, finish on the, you know, on the lead lap. You know, it's the last yep. driver to finish on the lead lap, which was Josh Berry. You know, who's still making the start for um, for Chase Elliott. You know, as long as Chase is out, you know, mm-hmm. finishing um, uh, 27th. You know, Ross Chastain kind of thought he would have had a better run than this this week, but you know, he he only had a twenty eighth place finish and of course Kyle Bush, who he said, you know, had a suspension problem. You know, went yeah. out he also went out, you know, a little bit early and um all in all, you know, it was a good it was a good race. Um see what happens if you know, how how many more years we're gonna we're gonna see the a dirt race at Bristol if we're just gonna go back to the normal asphalt, you know, and try to bring back the you know, the fans that we're missing.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say we should be racing on dirt at Eldora again. We'll see if that happens. It'll be interesting. Uh, let's uh, go over the points report because we could do have a new leader here.
1: Oh yeah, we have a new leader since the since the appeals all got shaken up again. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. These
1: guys don't know if they're coming or going. I know uh, uh, William Byron voice his opinion this week, you know, yeah. about, you know, what's been going on at Hendrick Motorsports, you know, it, it, he key cat he cannot be happy with the season he's having, you know, to be as low down in, in the points as he is. But either way, we got Christopher Bell who's leading the points. Ross Chastain is sitting in second. Kevin Harvick who's still holding on in third spot. Kyle Larson in fourth. Tyler Reddick in fifth. Kyle Bush in sixth. Martin Truex in the seventh and Joy Logano are holding up the top eight. And then from there then we go to uh, Brad Kozlowski who's having a really good season this year compared to what he had last year. Mm-hmm. Had his first year as a as a, as a co of um, of Ralph Fenway Kozalski Racing. Um, then we got the number uh then we got Ryan Blaney sitting in the tenth spot, Alex Bowman in the eleventh, Danny Hamlin in the twelfth. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the 13th, William Byron in the 14th, Austin Cedric in the 15th, and Chris Boucher about the top 16. And Hendrick already said they're not going to appeal the penalty, so William Byron is still, still in the
2: – still has
1: two wins. Oh, yeah, he's still in the hunting with two wins and, and sitting um, uh, 14th in, uh, in points.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Some of the drivers that are just below that cut line, one point back is Michael McDowell. Ty Gibbs is uh, two points back. Or actually, Ty Gibbs is a little more than that. He's about uh, uh, 11 points back. So, um, again, it's going to be fun to watch uh, how this continues to play out. Uh, We've we've talked a lot about penalties this season. And... uh, who knows how this is going to finish out when all is said and done.
1: So. Yeah, that's, that's true. That is so true right there. And, uh, um, you know, you got Mike, Michael, Michael McDowell sitting in 17th in you know, right behind Busher. Mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, let me see. Other than that, William Byron is still leading the. Still leading the series with two wins and 10, uh, 10 playoff points. So um, he's, he's pretty much already, you know, had his say so that he, he's going to be part of the, you know, part of the chase drivers this year. Mm. <laughs> um, Daniel Daniel Suarez, gosh sitting 19th in points, man. At the beginning of the season, Daniel Suarez was looking really, really strong, and now here he is uh,
0: Well, he, he 19th it.
1: in points.
0: Yeah. He uh, he uh, has had uh, kind of an interesting season, too. When he had that incident, he kind of put himself back in the points as well. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask you, Sal, um are you going to be out at the racetrack this weekend i I think the srl's racing
1: this weekend right yeah they're racing this weekend we'll be out at tucson speedway over in arizona so uh, i'm leaving friday night yeah flying out friday night and then flying back sunday morning after the races races were saturday then fly back home sunday morning and uh Hopefully see a good race. Uh, Sean Hingarani will be out there this week racing for Derek Thorne Racing. Do you um, think he's
0: going to win again? Super
1: late. Well, he, last race he won was an ARCA race. This is a an SRL. Southwestern race. So that, those are those are ARCA cars. This is going to be a super late model. So we'll see how... Yeah,
0: you're right. So who's going to we'll win?
1: See how well I don't know. It, it could be Jacob Gomez is going for three in a row.
0: Oh okay maybe it'll be Jacob. We've had him on the show too. So,
1: yeah.
0: It'll be fun. I, they've got that yeah, on TV interesting now over at the SRL website, right?
1: Yeah, you can yeah, you can yeah, you can go to the SRL website and they have the they have the uh, SRL Spears Spears
0: TV. Yes. So fans can watch that race at Tucson. It's on Saturday, so.
1: Yes, it'll, it'll be Saturday. You uh, need 7 o'clock our time.
2: So okay. all you got to do
1: is go to the um, SRL Southwest Tour website, and you can get all the information.
0: Okay, and, and you're able to watch that race. So pretty exciting uh, for uh, the SRL always to be in action. It's always exciting. Um, we're going to have to work on getting Brian Olson back again, too. They've, they've done a lot yeah, With going I'll, national And all kinds of things
1: Oh yeah I'll I'll talk to Brian I'll talk to him this weekend And let him know and I'm sure he'll I'm sure I know him He'll put some time aside for us
0: Oh okay <laughs> Excuse me That sounds good It's always good to talk to him And uh We'll definitely look forward to that Well our time is coming up To a close here Sal And uh I'm so glad uh I'm sorry you were stuck on the freeway there <coughs> uh, yeah again, so how in order to be on the show, yeah, so
1: so we made it but, and uh we're ready' to, or here,
0: well, we'll look forward to seeing you next uh Monday night again, I do know that uh we have Christian Rose on at nine o'clock next Monday but we'll start the show at 8.30 p.m. with uh, Christian Rose on at 9.
1: Okay, sounds good. Everybody have a good weekend. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: All right, Sal. Thanks a lot.
1: Okay. Okay, good night.
0: Good night. All right, that was Sal Segala, and uh, now we're ready to head on over here for our Hot Topic Sound Off segment. Uh, We've got two for racing crew members here tonight, and uh, we'll start with Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
4: Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, That's great. I've been on hold for 30 minutes, actually, uh, not only for Hot Topics, but to listen to that interview with Nick Sanchez was absolutely great. Um, Gave me some different perspectives uh, from him as a driver than what you see on TV, so appreciate him coming on, taking that time to come on.
0: Yeah, I thought he, he kind of uh, said some things that tell me he's got a really great attitude in the way he goes about his racing. So uh, I was real happy to hear that.
4: Well, and, and that's what, real quick before uh, you bring uh, Andy in, but um, I know some people would listen to him and say he's kind of egotistical. I don't see it as that. When he talked about his competition as far as rookie, he picked himself. And, I mean, that's true. You've got to compete against yourself, you know. The rest yeah. of it, same with the uh, points. You know, he said, hey, if I'm up there running the best I can, winning, everything else will take care of itself. So I don't don't see it as egotistical. I saw it as self-confidence, and, you know, I know you asked him on my behalf, thank you, uh, about that, of the confidence versus frustration, because he's right there week in and week out.
0: Yes, and I would say that Nick Sanchez does have confidence, uh, and and uh, I think that's a good thing, but he's not egotistical about it. He just is confident in his team. He's been with Rev Racing for a number of years, so that confidence is there. There's a trust value uh, that's established there, so I think it's all good. So, uh, But before we get too carried away, I want to make sure we bring Andy uh, Lasky into the conversation here. Welcome to the show, Andy.
5: Hey, thanks, Sharon. Jay, how are you both doing tonight? Doing great Doing good Okay Andy
0: I'm going to let you uh, Kick us off with hot topics here tonight What do you want to kick us off with?
5: Well obviously there's a few of them But um, we'll talk first about the Incident between Ryan Priest And uh, Kyle Larson from the (laughs) Cup Race last night Okay
0: Jay what are your thoughts about that?
4: Well, we're talking short track racing at Bristol. We're talking dirt track racing. You're going to have some bumping and banging. I understand there were some high-level frustrations. Whether or not what happened later in the race was a retaliation, it's tough to say. Um, I know um, Briscoe said that his car got tight or whatever, and when he got up there, something uh, broke or whatever. It's going to happen. We saw it through all the races. There was some bumping. Uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Priest, yes. I. Had, sorry, Briscoe's was a separate interview I just listened to. Um, Ryan Priest. Um, hey, you know, and I know this is going to go back to, I think it was Kyle Bush who questioned why Hamlin got penalized for taking somebody out. I don't feel like in this case they were side-by-side racing. Yes, there may have been some carryover of frustration, but it was racing between the two of them side-by-side. It wasn't back enough to take somebody out and it wasn't a hard cut hook them in the rear and spin them and put them in the wall type. So to me, that is racing. Uh, You know, again, I don't, there was some bumping and banging. I get it, but that is part of specifically short track racing as well as dirt track racing. So I think the two of them just need to understand where each other was coming from and put it aside. And I know Kyle said he wanted it put aside after the first incident, but uh, he was on the uh, on the better end of it at that point, you know, <laughs> so yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true um, Yeah, I listened uh, to our buddy Jeff Burton earlier tonight uh, Andy and I wanted to get his take on what happened between the, those two and Jeff's take was that uh, uh, you know, that incident that happened between the two of those drivers is something that happened on the track He said a hundred times, and then later on said that, probably not a hundred times, but a lot of times, that same incident took place on the track. So he doesn't think it was anything intentional. He thinks it was, um, was there some frustration there? Probably so, uh, but it's not any different than any of the frustration that takes place uh, on a short track racing. Uh, And it is a, a learning curve. Uh, for a lot of these drivers, and how they deal with that frustration, I know I listened to uh an interview with from Ryan Priest, and I know that he uh is not going to admit that he did it on purpose uh his His comments were that he didn't do it on purpose. Um, I know uh, Kyle Larson kind of thinks maybe he did but uh, and he, Kyle Larson actually is the one who said uh, he probably did it because of something I did earlier in the race. So he knew he had done something earlier in the race, um, but it's short track racing and that kind of close racing is going to happen. Um, when I saw the incident, um, you know, even even the most veteran drivers have their tempers kind of, um what do you say get the best of them i guess um uh, during truck track racing and and that's probably in my mind what happened is that uh it, it was the frustration of racing on the short track and somebody else brought up um you know it's probably not the only frustration his season probably hasn't gone the way he wanted it to go uh i know tony uh, who was in the broadcast booth, said it almost sounded like he was defending Kyle Larson uh, instead of Ryan Bruce, uh in his comments uh, about that incident. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, but, Andy, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are.
5: Yeah, you know, to kind of put it in perspective, the first incident, you know, the two got together coming off one of the turns in, it was really hard to say who exactly was at fault, um, but the 41 got put in the fence. The five wasn't clear. I'm not really sure. But they got together. They made contact, and you know the 41 got into the fence, did some damage, and then later a tow link broke, which caused them to go a couple three laps down. And so he's out there just riding around, and then you know by pure chance, of course, the two wind up together again on the racetrack, and. It almost looked to me like the first part of this talking specifically about the second incident, it almost looked like they got together, but not necessarily by um, by any intent, by either one of them. It just looked like, you know, big, with the slip sliding around, there was contact. But then uh, it looked like Priest finished it off, for sure. Like, I think you know, contact was made yet again and I think that's when the frustration kicked in and, and I think Ryan for sure, you know, did what he did what he did, which appeared to be intentional, but to your point, Sharon, he's never going to admit that if there's anything we've learned this season, don't <laughs> admit you uh, don't admit that you've done something intentionally wrong. So <laughs> All right. I uh um I would agree. He's had a terrible start to the season. Nothing's really gone right, and it's too bad because he was running well in the top five last night, and then you know got put into the defense. Um, you know, with that deal with Larson, and then obviously those two started beating and banging again, and, and it got worse from there. Um, you know, only one person knows if it was ten- intentional or not, and that's Ryan Priest, and he's certainly not going to admit it, but. But yeah, like like Jay said, you know, not only is it a short track, but it's a dirt track and you're gonna have contact and, and stuff's gonna happen and it's always easy to to point fingers at various people in different situations but it's it's inevitable and, and honestly, um, you know, if I compare this race to the one that I went to a couple years ago, that one was a complete demolition derby by comparison last night was, was fairly clean. There was certainly some mm-hmm. incidents here and there, but it was a pretty clean race. I thought for, for a short track on a dirt track. So, um but, you know, certainly, you know, I, I think those two drivers will be able to figure things out. It seemed like Larson wasn't really that worried about it.
1: And, you know,
5: I think that they will be able to get past it, but what better place to, to settle something than yet another short track in Martinsville, this coming week, so it'll be interesting to see if this is a developing uh, issue between these two or not. But um, yeah, I think at the end of it, there really it's just you know boiling frustrations for for what's been a tough season for Priest, and I think he ultimately just felt compelled to to finish the five car off.
0: Yep. Okay.
4: Hey, well, put that put that frustration on the other side though. Um, to, just to look at both sides of it, Kyle Larson mm-hmm. was back there because of his own doing. And he said that he made yep. the decision to not take tires, uh, keep the same tires on spun out by himself, which is what put him in the back in the first place. The season he's had just like William Byron. Hey, we're up front. We're winning races and we keep losing points due to other things. Um, we won't go into that yet at this point anyway, but so they're having a frustration. You know, he's got his frustrations. Priest overall for the year has had some good runs, just not the finishes. So, yeah, I understand his frustration. And there was contact earlier in the night where he felt he got slid up the wall. I think the reason Tony was kind of saying something was because it was his team, the spotter and the crew chief. Normally we talk about them being the psychiatrist and calming a driver down um, there it seemed mm-hmm. like the the spotter and the and the crew chief for the one saying hey put that in your bank don't forget that remember that later on whereas drivers don't they need that encouragement I promise you that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and drivers don't need that encouragement they got a pretty good memory when it comes to that as it is so that's what I kind of found ironic about it is normally you're hearing the others say hey let it go you know we talk about uh, Daniel Suarez back uh, following the race at uh, Coda. You know, everybody else was telling him, Hey, let it go, don't worry about it, it's done. Mm-hmm. You know. Whereas here, here it was like Sharon said, putting fuel on the fire. So um it's it's interesting. We go right to another short track Martinsville. Talk about short track racing, bumping and banging in some uh, temper square. Martinsville's known for it, so
0: yeah, I've got a feeling there's going to be some conversations at Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, another point that kind of that, that went through my mind when I heard Tony say that, which I thought, wow, he's not supporting his own driver. Uh, then I remembered uh, he wanted to keep Cole Custer in that 41 car, and it was, or was it the other way around? And uh, Gene Haas not wanted to bring in Stuart. Ron Grease?
4: No, Stewart was the one back in um Ryan Priest wanted to give him his opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next that then. Um <clears throat> yeah, that I just thought it was an odd comment from Tony Stewart, but I think you bring up a good point, Jay, that probably there's gonna be a conversation over at Stewart House Racing about how to calm your driver down versus fuel in the fire. And uh <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's important going forward.
3: Um
0: uh, but, yeah, uh, Ryan's had a really tough season. Uh, he wants to come in the series and do well uh, and and everything, and uh, it, life just has not been easy for him in the Cup Series so far. So uh, we'll have to see what happens at Martinsville. It's another short track. Um, I think <clears throat> part of it is what Jeff Burton was talking about, too. Uh, and we know some drivers that have been – with NASCAR and are considered veterans now that still haven't learned <laughs> uh, how to manage their emotions on the track. But that is one of the learning curves that these short tracks and those drivers that are able to manage those emotions when these kind of things happen and let it kind of be in their rearview mirror and looking forward on what they can do from this point forward. Um, and I think Kyle Larson kind of... uh uh got into that a little bit when he was interviewed about it is he thought it was a done deal and they were moving forward and it, you know nothing else was going to come of it it was just bristol dirt racing uh so he was surprised uh when the incident happened um so yeah it's 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 just one of those things that happen <laughs> on bristol dirt and it happened a lot of times on uh on sunday so And it happened a lot of times on uh, Saturday night, too, in the truck race. Uh, So we'll see how uh, things shake out for the rest of the season. But you guys are right. Uh, What happens at uh, Martinsville Speedway uh, this weekend will tell us a lot.
5: Andy? Yeah, you know, I, I actually really felt bad for Larson last night. Just, you know, appeared to be in contention for the win throughout the early stages of that race. And it was like it all kind of unfolded for him, you know, there was, you know, starting with the contact with Priest and then the spin and and then, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the later incident with Priest that did him in. So it was, you know, a situation where, you know, they too, much like Priest had a chance to maybe win that race and then it all came unglued. So, um, kind of, kind of disappointing for those guys but you know as as well as Hendrick has run this year you know that's a team that I know will bounce back and and be in contention to win their fair share of races this year but obviously when you think of dirt racing you think of Kyle Larson and certainly expected that you know he was going to have something to say about the win last night and never got that chance but you know certainly felt for him you know and in uh, in light of how well he started that race, but, um, you know, yeah, you'll have that kind of stuff happen, and, you know, the key will be those two being able to get past it and and moving forward with their seasons.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay, you get to bring up the next hot topic.
4: Well, that's that's a tough one. We've kind of hit on a couple here. I don't even know which one to go with, but... We're talking about the frustration. William Byron actually specifically addressed it in an interview. He did. Um, it's possible Kyle Larson had that hanging on him as well. But Hendrick Motorsports, the uh, Bowman and Byron were issued penalties at Richmond. And Hendrick uh, HMS is, made a statement they are not going to appeal the penalty and that There's two parts to it. It says the area the race car is focused on is not related to our performance on track and are best served by devoting our time and resources to competing each weekend. So they're accepting the penalty and moving on.
0: Yes. Uh, Andy, your thoughts about that?
4: Yeah,
5: kind of an interesting scenario here. Obviously, um, in this case, the two were penalized due to, I believe, they call it the greenhouse area, so like the, the overall cockpit of the race car, I think. Um, I'm not fully educated on this, so I don't exactly know what the deal was, but um, I did find it a bit interesting that, once again, their cars were found to have issues, um, probably smart to you know, just move on from it like they've done. Um, but they were, once again, given pretty hefty points penalties, And I think their interim crew chiefs are now suspended for a number of races, I think two races. Um, Yeah. You know, I, it it kind of boggles my mind when a team says, Oh, that, that, that had nothing to do with, with performance of the car. Well, why, why did you (laughs) screw with it then? You know, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I I don't, I don't always believe what these, these teams say that doesn't matter which team it is, whether it's my favorite team or not. Um you have to really wonder what 's going on, but certainly it 's been an interesting start to the year for them obviously in in my mind they 're the strongest team to begin the season they 've been very fast and you know won some races you know to start the year but um I think when you look at the penalties that all four cars got, and then again the forty eight and the twenty four you have to wonder if maybe they 're pushing the envelope a bit too much and maybe if they should back that down a bit um because those are two pretty big penalties obviously the uh the previous penalty they got the points overruled and I don't think I got to talk about that because I wasn't on last night or last Thursday's show um but it completely negated it, in my mind that it, it, that penalty was completely negated because points is what matters most and at least this time around you know they're they're going to accept the penalty and move on but you know it, it's it's a pretty sizable Uh, chunk of points that they're losing so certainly been a tough start to the year um you know and again i'm not really sure exactly what was wrong with the race car but obviously they're they're certainly pushing some boundaries as they uh try to to make speed and make those cars go fast each week so you know hopefully they can settle that down a bit and 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 get in a rhythm of, of not having issues with these race cars because it's um from the outside looking in it You know, it's certainly been a rough start to the year for that team as far as penalties are concerned.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with everything you said there, Andy. Um, I I, uh, really think it was smart of uh, Hendrick Motorsports not to appeal this penalty um, and to accept it and and move on from here. What I didn't agree from in their statement or what I felt – was a little bit of a jab um, is that uh, because we will be best served by devoting our time and resources to competing each weekend, our team will not pursue the appeal. The area the race cars focused on is not related to our performance on the track um, yeah i i I agree with you there Andy why if if it doesn't have any difference to your performance, then why are you doing it? Um, I think that's kind of an odd statement for them to say um, because uh, it, it, NASCAR is uh, addressing it because they obviously think that maybe it does. But, I, the, again, we have to go back to what the rule is, What is and that is that um, – They don't want them tampering with the car, period. They don't want them tampering with those spec parts. And I can't remember now if this uh, penalty had to do with spec parts or what this penalty was now. Uh, But one thing I will say is this. I love that NASCAR has made the modification, uh, and I heard today, too, uh, some people are even advocating for the appeals process to be televised so that everybody can see uh, the appeals process and what's being said. I love that they're doing that because then there won't be all these questions and speculations about everything that's going on. Um, and I think it's going to be harder for the teams to try to spin themselves, um, spin the narrative about what's going on. Uh, I, I think they they need to um, – I, I think this is something that's been needed for a while, and uh, hopefully it will put this whole penalty thing uh, to the wayside so we can start talking about the racing again instead of all the penalties. Jay?
4: Well, i got a lot of thoughts of my own that I'll start with. They're going to be my own, for one. But I wanted to hit uh, Mike had some stuff up when he put the, the tweet up of them uh, following them oh. being suspended, or uh, the penalty itself. Uh, It says, I guess NASCAR really did bring out the big microscope to examine these cars at R&D. Not sure what the greenhouse violation is and how it's different than tampering with other body panels, um, though. Typically, the greenhouse refers to the entire window section of the car, which is the windshield, side windows, and rear window, which are all spec parts as far as I know. Why this is a lower penalty than what they were hit with for the louvers is a head scratcher. And then he added, watch the 9 and 5 be randomly selected to go to R&D this week. And then the tweet from Bob Pachris, and we can't obviously show the picture on radio, but it came from Bob Pachris, and it says, the greenhouse may be modified to accommodate a windshield wiper motor where required. And these modifications will be permitted at all racetracks. The greenhouse modification must conform to the following drawing. And he's got that up there. So with that, a couple of things I wanted to address with what Mike said. Uh, put in there. Um, first off, I found out, I did not know, they did, it does not have to be a random selection. I think we kind of talked about this with that last week already. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. I thought it was random. It is not. They can take any cars they want, any if they don't have a specific reason, whether that be they're looking for something that has been reported or they've seen, or if they're targeting particular drivers, don't know. But it does not require to be random. Second, with that, it sounds like that they didn't modify the the spec part. It was how the part fit in, which I think comes into play with them getting the louver penalty overturned or part of it because it wasn't that they modified the part, they modified how it fit to the car, which then isn't the spec part itself. That is my guess on it, being that we did not get to see it. Um, Sharon mentioned that of, and I can't remember who said it, Sharon, of, Wanting to see it uh, live stream. Judge Judy. Bring in Judge Judy and live stream it, I think, was the comment that was made. So I'm not sure I want to see it go that route, but um, we will at least get to hear what was presented and how the panel and why they decided. So NASCAR said they could provide that uh, in written transcript. Anyway, I don't know about the televising thing yet. As far as my thoughts on it. Right. Um, as far as my thoughts on it, and again, these are my own. You've got several things to look at. A, NASCAR just changed how they're going to go about the procedure. You can't get all the points taken away anyway, so they're going to take a points hit. B, HMS is being looked at as being protected. C, they're saying it didn't affect the car, uh, their performance on the track, and now they're not going to appeal it. Here's the accept guilt. Um, from my perspective, again, that's from my perspective. Another would be of, as you mentioned, whether or not they want to publicly show what they're trying to do to get around these things or saying, Hey, NASCAR's sure about this. We're going to let it calm down. We just got by with one or got one overturned it turned out in our favor. We're going to let this one go. The other is it did not include playoff points, which are extremely important. Um, we know these teams are on top of their game and doing good on the track. Yeah, the 60 points hurts, but they've got wins in the bank or are in good position to make it anyway into the playoffs. If it's not playoff points, maybe they're not as concerned. So, again, those are just some of my thoughts as to why this might have happened.
0: Okay. Andy, your follow-up?
4: Yeah, to
5: touch on the the new appeal process that NASCAR came out with, um, I'm extremely happy to to see that, you know, they cannot take away an entire portion of any penalty. In other words, if if there are three um parts to a penalty, such as a crew chief suspension, a fine, and a points penalty, you can't take the whole you can't take any whole part of that away, which I think is fantastic. So,
3: you know, mm-hmm.
5: if if obviously you, you lose a hundred points, you know, if it gets to reduce it to say fifty points, then, then you know, like I could respect that I guess, but you know, the point is that you will have to suffer at least at least a portion of every penalty that's issued. So I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, maybe that in itself will be a, a bit of a deterrent. Um although, you know, the the points getting overturned for Hendrick is, is kind of been unprecedented since the uh the next gen era became a thing last year. We haven't really seen an entire points penalty get overturned. But, you know, knowing moving forward that um, you're going to lose points if that's part of your original penalty, I think that may be a bit of a deterrent for teams to not push the envelope as much. But certainly, you know, I think that the changes made to the appeals process were really good changes, I think, moving forward.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I think it made sense for them not to um to appeal it. Um and accept the penalty and move on from it. The thing about the crew chiefs though, that part was a little bit of a sticking point because that remember those crew chiefs started filling in for the other crew chiefs that were suspended. The main crew chief that was suspended and that was for four races. I think Bristol was the fourth race. Uh, for those uh, interim crew chiefs, and uh, now they're supposed to be suspended for two races. I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Is it if these guys get suspended again, those guys uh, have to be suspended, or are they out for the next two races as part of the team? I'm not sure how that plays out. I don't know if you guys can clarify that for me. But that's the only other question that I have about the penalty. Jay? Jay?
4: Yeah, unfortunately, you're correct, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, you're you're correct in that of the primary crew chief suspensions was going to end anyway, and so I, I don't know how that goes. If they are suspended the next time Hendrick tries to list them as being used, or they just can't crew chief them, they weren't going to anyway. And all in all, and I think those, uh, Larry McReynolds was one of them, I think um, those within the industry agree with what we've talked about. The crew chief suspension is... A joke, basically. Uh, Yeah, uh, there you go. There's a good word. I mean, it's meaningless almost as much as the twenty-five thousand dollar fine, or fifty thousand dollar fine. It's nothing. I mean, it's it's not doing anything anymore because of the technology and the way they go about it. So, um, all in all, that'll get settled on its own. Um, Again, uh, the HMS deciding not to. All I can do is speculate on why they might possibly have not. They have opted not to. Um, You know, maybe NASCAR sat down with them and said, hey, we want to be about racing, not about penalties and and court battles and all that, Um, because it really seems like it has this year, unfortunately, that we aren't Mm -hmm. talking about. Some of the good runs by Justin Haley, Todd Gillen, I was listening when uh, you and Sal were covering that. Some drivers that (laughs) had good runs, and that's not the focus because we're talking about penalties and what's going on there. So... I'm with Andy, uh, the changes they've made to the appeal process, I think has been huge and good, uh, steps in a great direction and hopefully it does deter all this and we go back to racing.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay. Well said. Andy, what's our next hot topic here?
5: Um, yeah, this is a, a bit of a tough one here, but we might as well touch on it, um, Looks like Cody Ware is going to be indefinitely suspended and stepping away from his Cup ride for an unknown duration of time.
0: Yeah, indefinitely suspended. Okay, Jay, your thoughts.
4: Uh, well, let me pull it up here. I just ha- okay, there you brought it up, um, and this is one that I caught of a, a lot of untouch attention. Even uh, Amanda, who's not a race fan, had sent this one to me. He was arrested on Monday by the Iradell County, which is North Carolina Sheriff's Office, and charged with assault on a female and assault by strangulation to inflict serious uh, injury. Now, the thing I took from it was he raced on, what was it, Uh, Saturday. Or Saturday. No, Matt Crafton. Okay, yeah, Crafton filled in. I don't know when that charge stems from. Uh, that was what, where and it, being that it was in North Carolina, he was in Tennessee. Um, but the broadcasters said that it was due to a personal handling a personal matter. And this is where I think a big thing comes in with, as Mike put it, you're presumed innocent until proven guilty, and NASCAR has already suspended him. If they were aware of why and didn't tell NASCAR, that alone can be reason for NASCAR to um, suspend them because they're supposed to be up front and forthright with NASCAR, what's going on. Um, I don't know at this point if NASCAR knew about it when the broadcaster said that or if that's what the team had released. But they obviously were aware of it because they had enlisted Matt Crafton to fill in in the cup race. So they had to have had an idea anyway that he wasn't going to be available, which means they were withholding information. I think that's a big thing of what NASCAR frowns upon. Because um, as, as Mike put it, uh, you're, you're presumed innocent until proven guilty. I'm not even going to address the allegations because I have no idea. All we know is what got published, that's the charge. Um, and I have no idea. I don't know him as a person. I don't know what happened. So. But like I said, NASCAR wants to know so that they're not caught off guard by it um, out of the blue, um, putting, a bad, put them, putting them in a bad light. I will say this. We, as a racing industry, do not seem to have the amount of problems that other sports have with their athletes when it comes to stuff like this. Um, so overall, I think NASCAR's policies and the way they handle things do a good job.
0: All right. Um, And I know a lot of people are questioning, you know, why they would suspend him before they know that he's guilty. Um, But here's the thing. He's he's not going to be able to race anyway. He's got more pressing issues that he needs to deal with with the allegations. And so I think it makes sense for him to be suspended indefinitely uh, to give him the time that he needs to deal with this. Whether he's guilty or innocent, I think he needs time to deal with it. Um, And just to also clarify, this incident must have happened uh, sometime over the weekend or sometime recently, uh, but before Sunday's race. Uh, He was actually arrested on Monday. Uh, The incident did not happen necessarily happen on Monday. Uh, The Iredell County Sheriff's Office uh, conducted an investigation, and that's what led to the arrest that took place on Monday. So when that arrest actually took place, that's when NASCAR uh, issued the suspension, um, indefinite suspension. Now, Rick Ware Racing said, In their statement, uh, they indicated we are aware of the incident regarding Cody Ware and his indefinite suspension from NASCAR competition. We understand NASCAR's position on this matter and accept their decision. The matter is still under investigation, and Cody is fully cooperating with authorities as due process takes its course. RWR is committed to continuing our multi-car efforts in the Cup Series, NASCAR Cup Series, and is in the process of finalizing our plans for the number 51 entry at Martinsville and beyond. These plans will be announced in the coming days. So I think that pretty much says it. Um, I, I think it just makes sense to have an indefinite suspension to allow him the time that he needs to deal with the situation. So um, uh, when and if he's uh, deemed to be innocent, uh, then, you know, NASCAR is going to bring him back in. I recalled an incident with Kurt Busch where he was accused of uh, something similar. And um, uh, later on we found out that it wasn't necessarily true, and, and he was reinstated back into NASCAR. So... I think it's the right call and um, I wish Cody Ware the best. The incident is a horrible incident. I I hope he's not guilty of it uh, but if he is then I'm sure there's going to be a price to be paid. Andy?
5: Yeah, highly unfortunate really is the best way to describe this. You hate to see this happen to anybody involved in racing. Um, I think Jay brings up a really good point though. I think As it pertains to racing, we see these types of incidents happen far less than other major sports, which is always a good thing. I think that, you know, generally race car drivers are of good moral character, but every now and then things happen. Um, Race car drivers are human beings, and and sometimes unfortunate situations happen, and and mistakes can be made, and um, I think that in light of the situation NASCAR did what had to be done as far as the suspension goes, but, you know, you're right. Um, Innocent until proven guilty. And certainly um, hoping that um, whatever transpired here um, isn't true as far as Cody state goes. And and if it is, then, you know, it'll be dealt with uh, the way that it's, you know, going to be dealt with, with, with the law. So, but just unfortunate. You hate to see these kinds of things happen um, and you hate it for, the team, um, you know, he's the son of the team owner, so certainly um, a bit of a difficult situation for Rick, Rick Ware Racing. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully, you know, this will get taken care of, and, and you know, hopefully it's not what they're reporting. Um, the incident took place, I read, on April 3rd, so that would be a week ago today. Um, yeah, just disappointing to see this kind of news, and thankfully we don't see it very often.
0: Okay, Jay, any follow
4: up? Uh, the only, yeah, okay, make sure I'm off mute. The only uh, follow up I got would be as as you've all said of, hopefully that truth and justice prevail, and that there's a positive outcome of, uh, of it on the other side. Uh, however, the outcome is that there's a positive outcome from it on the other end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I did see another post, and I was just looking for it. I can't find it now because I wanted to remember who put this out. But I think it was a post by Cody Ware um, that dated back to like 19, um, I'm sorry, 2018. And in which he talks about he suffers from depression, and he understands, that he understood back then that he has some anger issues um and that he was trying to deal with those types of things um so it sounds like um some of that has come to a head uh just based on what i saw uh from that post and i wish i could find it and now i can't find it but um um uh, i i wish cody were the best in this situation and uh, uh again as as Andy said, and Jay has said, um, you know, the, the whatever happens is going to happen. <laughs> In other words, uh, if he's innocent, he'll come back to NASCAR. If he's not innocent, then the law will take over and, and do what they have to do. But uh, I, I, you know, it sounds like he needs additional help besides, you know, what's happening in this situation. Uh, when I read that other post, I felt like he needed some counseling uh, type type of intervention as well. And so I hope he gets that help as well. Andy, your follow-up?
5: Yeah, not much to really add here, um, but just really hoping for a, a good outcome. And, and like you just said here, hopefully – you know, if if proven guilty, then, then he can get the help required to to help him, you know, be a better person. And, you know, if he is proven to be innocent, then hopefully we see him back at a racetrack soon, you know. and But at the end of the day, really just hoping for something good to come out of it, like you both already said. And, and um, we'll just have to keep him in our uh, thoughts and prayers and, and hoping that, um, you know, something good comes out of it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Jay.
4: Well, we'll stick with RWR, but put uh, some good news to it, as they have announced that Tommy Baldwin is the new competition director at Rick Ware Racing.
0: Okay, Andy, your thoughts about uh, Tommy
5: Baldwin? Yeah, good to see Tommy back, you know, in a full-time Cup Series capacity. It's been a little bit um, since he was, I think, last in the Cup Series when he owned his own team. But, you know, this is a guy that's been around the sport a very long time. Um, You know, a Cup Series winning crew chief. Matter of fact, he is a Daytona 500 winning crew chief, one that I'll personally never forget uh, with Ward Burton back in 2002. So, um, obviously, a a highly successful, um, you know, crew chief and and turned team owner. uh, Someone with a lot of experience that I think can add some depth to Rick Ware Racing, certainly. Um, you know, someone with, I think, the team owner and managerial side of things will hopefully bring some leadership to that team and and help them grow and and continue to get better. Um, One of the things that I read about this was they're, you know, trying to obviously strengthen the alliance with Roush Fenway-Kiglowski and, you know, try to help bridge the gap between the two teams. And I think that that's the importance of, of this partnership, uh, or not so much partnership, but this this hire, if you will, is that you know Tommy can come in and and kind of help help facilitate things between the two teams and the alliance and 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 help um, Rick Weir Racing get better, you know. And, and I think that that's a good thing. This is a team that we've you know you know maybe not us specifically, but I've seen a lot of criticism pertaining to this team over the last few years, and you know the fact that they're working hard to make an honest effort at getting better and, and improving their performance is, is a really good thing. So um, certainly hiring somebody like Tommy Baldwin is really awesome. You know, he's, again, been involved in motorsports a long time, been very successful. And, you know, it's it's cool that I think he's still going to, you know, do his modified team, which is pretty cool. So, um, but, yeah, this is a good move and a good hire for Wickware Racing. I think it will pay dividends uh, as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I think this is absolutely great. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Rick Rail Racing and why they had charters and were they at risk of losing their charter because they weren't really being competitive and and those kind of conversations. So I think this is this is a turn for the right, bringing Tommy Baldwin in as their competition director. Uh, Tommy Baldwin, as you said um uh, Andy, has been around this industry for a long, long time and uh, has a lot to offer an organization like Rick Whale Racing. And I think we'll see results uh, fairly quickly uh, from having Tommy Baldwin in that spot. Uh, you brought up the, the alliance with uh, RFK. And, uh, again, Tommy Baldwin uh, is, is, as you said, going to be a key player in that. Uh, Alliance, and uh, I just think he's going to have a lot to offer uh, to Rick Rail Racing, and this is a, a very good move for that organization. Jay, your thoughts?
4: Well, one of the ones, um, and, and I know I don't, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I know Mark Ma, Mike has been one that has been rather critical of RWR, and this is things like this is what I want him to look at is. They are trying. They do not have the best resources. The partnership with RFK, help them grow, bringing in Tommy Baldwin. Sharon, you said it. I think we're going to see some results relatively quickly with that. Uh, Tommy Baldwin being within the industry as a car owner, as a crew chief, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the modified race I watched replay was from a week or two ago at Richmond. I believe it was his modified team that went to victory lane. So he is still involved in racing. And I think can have a major impact on an organization. Um, I think back of HMS, they were to the point where if they didn't get a victory, it's based off of the days of, Star- days of Thunder story. If they didn't get a victory in a sponsor, they were going to go under. When Jeff Burton or uh, Jeff Bodine won at um, Martinsville back in the day, you know everybody <laughs> starts at the bottom and got to work their way up. We've seen what Trackhouse do- has done, 2311, uh, college Racing gms they've had to work their way and build their way up talk to nick sanchez from red racing taking it step by step rwr is taking the steps they can and trying so um i'm happy to see it and i'm happy to see tommy baldwin i'm with the uh, andy of uh, he was one of those when you they interviewed or you talked to in the garage area great guy um, did some of the improbable things with teams that maybe you wouldn't have expected to see Uh Ward Burton and Bill Davis Racing and winning that Daytona 500. Um, but that one still kind of has to get credited to Sterling Marlin <laughs> getting out of his car.
0: <laughs> yeah. hey, Andy, your follow-up.
4: Yeah,
5: just, you know, I, I, I give a lot of credit to the team for, for making changes to try to get better. That's all you can really ask for. Um, someone has to run first someone has to run 36 you know on a given week but you know the point the point is that um you know all of these teams are out there making an honest effort each week and you know i think when you bring in a guy like Tommy Baldwin you're you're making an honest effort to try to improve and get better and i've seen some recent quotes too from the team where you know they're not out there to start in park like they used to do like a lot of teams used to do you know, they're out there to race and, and try to get better, and, you know, it's a good thing. So, positive move for sure, and, and we'll see uh, what kind of impact this does make on on their performance moving forward. It may take some time, you know, a few weeks or, you know, half a year, or whatever, but, you know, certainly when you bring in a guy like Tommy Baldwin, uh, it's a good thing. And, and, yeah, that, interestingly enough, to speak about that 500, um, of course, J- Sharon, you know, I was a Jeff Burton fan for a long time, but I was... When I first started watching. I was a pretty big ward fan, too, for a couple three years uh, back in o one and o two. So to this day, uh, for me as a race fan, the o two five hundred is is probably my most celebrated victory as a race fan. That um, was huge when he won, you know, and and a lot of people may not remember he actually had the fastest car in the o one five hundred but was taken out in that big wreck when Stewart flip. so um that o two five hundred was kind of a redemption race for Ward and that team because because of the year prior having such a good car and not winning. Um, but, yeah, Sterling Marlin certainly <laughs> helped hand that win to that team that day. But that that's a day I won't forget. And, you know, how could we forget, you know, Tommy Baldwin was the crew chief on that one. So um, something that you can never take away from them is their Daytona 500 winners.
0: Well, that race is the race that my son called me and said, Mom, you got to turn on the TV and watch if Burton is going to win the Daytona 500. And he was at the track wearing his uh, cat gear. <laughs> and he said when he walked in, everybody was kind of, uh, you know, you're a Ward Burton fan, ha, ha, ha. And then uh, uh, when he won the race, he said he was walking out of there. Uh, two inches taller. Uh, But it must be noted that Ward Burton put himself into position to win that race uh, when it was all said and done, even even with the uh, Sterling Marlin situation. Um, But at the time that he told me to turn the TV on and watch it, I asked him, what station is it on? He says, I don't know. Just keep flipping through until you find it. (laughs) So that's what I did. And sure enough, Ward Burton won that race. So uh, it's kind of funny because that's, that's uh, what introduced me to NASCAR uh, in a lot of ways. But um, uh, at any rate, Tommy Baldwin is a very accomplished uh, uh, veteran of this sport, and I think he's going to be really good as the uh, competition director at Rick Rail Racing. I don't have a whole lot more to add to that. Jay, you get the follow-up.
4: Yeah, there's really not much more to add other than wait and see what the results are um, with RWR Tommy Baldwin. Uh, I do believe it's going to have a good impact on the team, uh, as well as the sport. I'm happy to see Tommy Baldwin back at the uh, at the cup level. Um, and lastly, I, I know it wasn't really the hot topic. We kind of got on it, but I, went, I wasn't necessarily a fan of Ward Burton as a driver. He was an accomplished driver, uh, a solid driver, got that 500 victory. But I loved him as a person, as a character i mean he was one that was what do you say i mean spoke from the heart whether it was good or bad uh, some of his interviews when he was frustrated were hilarious to listen to um, he didn't hold back uh, i don't remember who it was he said that made the comment about but they, they put that helmet on and they lose their brain
0: <laughs> well i think he was real frustrated with dale earnhardt jr at one time didn't he, isn't he the guy he threw the helmet at it He has
4: done his share. Yes, he has done his share of uh, helmet throwing. I know they advertise Tony Stewart a lot, but uh, Ward Burton is one that has thrown some things around the track. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Okay, um, Andy, it's your turn. It's too early for the announcement, so I'm going to keep going
5: yeah this is one that i'm I'm really excited about. It looks like Jay was too, based on his comments in the uh in on the team's uh, app there but race day live of course with with John Roberts and Kenny Wallace uh, used to be really big on the speed channel uh, made its return last year at Gateway and came back this past weekend as well at Bristol. Uh, they're going to run uh six more shows this year um throughout um the season, so curious what you both think about that.
0: Okay, Jay, I know you're excited.
4: Uh, Yeah, this is one of those, uh, Andy hit on it, Speed TV um, that they produced. Uh, Loved watching that uh, on race days. Actually, I believe Dalton and I were at least elbows on TV a couple of times because when we went to a track, we were there in that crowd. The interaction with the crowd, the energy they brought to the atmosphere at the track was unbelievable. I was so sad when that went away. Um, I know they did the one-off last year, as you mentioned, and, and this one. I would love to see that come back full time. The only thing more I can say is, it was a team. Bring back Jimmy Spencer, Mr. Excitement.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess uh, as a result, uh, they were at the track this weekend with Race Day Live, with Kenny Wallace and uh, John Roberts at Bristol Motor Speedway, it was so successful uh, that they said, okay, it's time to take this on the road. So they added six more dates uh, to the schedule. They'll be at the Coca-Cola 600, the Quaker State 400 available at Walmart. Uh, Of course, the Coca-Cola 600 is at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That Quaker State race is at Atlanta Motor Speedway July 9th. Uh, The Crayon 301 will be at New Hampshire Motor Speedway on Saturday night, July the 15th. The Bass Pro Shops Night Race at Bristol on September the 16th. The Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive Four Hundred race at Texas Motor Speedway on September the twenty fourth, and then the Bank of America Roval Four Hundred at Charlotte Motor Speedway on October eighth uh, is where they will once again be at the track for race day live. Uh, this was really really popular when they were doing it. Uh, one of the things that was really good about it is um, they brought a lot of people. I know at Chicagoland Speedway they called it Champions Park uh but into the area into the area where all of the vendors were uh and where fans could uh, really enjoy you know, like the Toyota Racing uh tent and all the different tents that are set up um, uh it included uh close nearby was the race day live uh activities and uh, they always had a stream of guests coming on uh they always uh, it's a little bit of what we talk about that we don't like on TV. To me, this is a place for them to do the entertaining things that they do. Uh, do it at the racetrack and give fans, uh, you know, I, I know uh, a lot of fun to stand there and watch, uh, the race day live. I know I spent some time when I was at the racetrack watching race day live, um, So it was a lot of fun at the track. I think it's a good thing that they're bringing it back. And Kenny Wallace, uh, it's always a good thing to have Kenny Wallace at the track and uh, doing his Kenny Wallace things. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Andy?
5: Yeah, I I would agree with both of you. I think this is a really, really good thing. Um, And I think that, you know, we're reminded of, of what's, been missing for a few years now. Uh, Speed Channel used to do a really good job with their, their, you know, race day live shows, you know, pre-race and and post-race, you know, being right there at the track, you know, involving the fans and, and really getting, getting you ready for a race. And, you know, I, I love John Roberts. I thought he did a great job as a host. Kenny Wallace with his big personality Jimmy Spencer, uh, among others, really brought a lot to the table each week to, to get you hyped up and ready for a race. And, you know, I think Fox does a, an okay job, you know, with who they have now, but it's it's not like it used to be. And I realize that, you know, as, as people age and, you know, time moves on, the sport moves on, and, and things have to change, I do understand that. But I really do think that, you know, that time frame of, of when – you know, Speed Channel had Race Day Live on each week was just a really good time and a really good um, era in broadcasting as far as, you know, pre-race coverage was concerned. And, you know, certainly I feel like, you know, since the Speed Channel went away and it became what's really now known as Fox Sports 1, it, um, you know, it's it's just not like it used to be. Um, and I think that, you know, to see this revival is, is a really good thing. I think that, um, you know, this is maybe going to help regenerate some excitement for the fans. I'm really excited about the fact they're going to be at New Hampshire. I may try to go see them, which would be pretty cool. So, um, no, this is a good thing. Yeah, the only thing I could ask more would be to see it televised. I don't know if we'll get that or not. I don't think so. I think it's strictly an at-track experience only, but, um, Boy, I'd certainly love to see those two back, you know, on, on TV. I, I think that those pre-race shows were second to none, and, and certainly, you know, if we could find our way back to either that or something like that in the future, it would be fantastic for uh, regenerating uh, some more interest
4: in the sport.
0: Okay, Jake.
4: Well, Andy, I'm with you. I, the Speed TV and the way they did it was good. But I think the key element here, especially when we, we looked at the grandstands, partially there at the uh, Bristol Dirt Track, uh, is the at-track experience. You know, people had asked me, "Of okay, the race is at one o'clock. Why are you getting up and going at nine o'clock?" That at-track experience. Sharon mentioned it. The guests they have come on. I'm not saying they got the time to give an autograph to everybody standing there, but they do come by, and you get to talk to them, see them, high-five them whatever they may given a couple of autographs or get a picture with them, but just that at-track experience, and they did a heck of a job of energizing the crowd before they even went into their seats to watch the race itself. Um, so I think it's a huge as far as the at-track, complete at-track experience, um, that's kind of been missing. Uh, Sharon mentioned the souvenir haulers. That was another thing, and I know we, there's been some changes back and forth with that. I get it. The economy and everything else is a lot that ties into it, but I think this is one they really need to look at as to what element that brings to the at-track experience and getting fans there um, at the track.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm I, I would love to see NASCAR come up with uh, a speed TV again. Uh, It doesn't have to be Speed TV. It could be NASCAR TV. But let me go ahead and do my um, uh, announcement here because it is time for it. Uh, For our first-time listeners, I want to let you know that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. I don't know how much more we're really going to have to say here, but um, uh, you will hear us go off the air as we are talking just know that even though we're not on the air, we are recording the rest of that conversation and it is available as part of our podcast. I'll go out on Twitter and Facebook and uh, let you know that the podcast is available. We do have a player at fanforacing.com. All you have to do is go to that fanforacing player at your convenience and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So again, didn't want anybody to be caught off guard or surprised, uh, with us going off air and then not know how you can hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, yeah, I would love to see them come back with, a, a NASCAR TV, uh, and have the programming similar to what they did with Speed TV, because they had some really great programs, uh, and I think there would be plenty of content, uh, for them to have on a NASCAR TV again. But you're right, this is all about this particular thing, Race Day Live, is really all about uh, the track experience, and and it's good to see them uh, bringing that back to uh, the racetrack because I think it does add to, uh, you know, these fans are paying a lot of money to go to the tracks, and, you know, these are the kind of things uh that they're willing to pay that money for is to go to the track and be able to see people like Kenny Wallace and John Roberts and, and all the drivers that come up on the stage and talk. So uh NASCAR to me is one has always been uh one of the best sports that give fans uh that chance to interact with the drivers uh during a race weekend. You don't see that with any other sport. And NASCAR still excels at that. Uh, but this is just one thing uh, that's going to make it a better experience for the fans. Andy, you get the last word.
5: Yeah, I think you know the key here is the the at track experience, like Jay said, mm-hmm. but also the fact that they used to do these pre race shows live from the track. So not only if you were attending the race could you go and, and watch this pre race show. You, know, and, you could watch and, it, and you, but you could you know watch it on TV as well, and and they were physically there, and I think that was the best part about it. Um, nowadays, it's done from a studio, so to me, that's just it doesn't have the same energy and vibe. And and I don't want to criticize what the way they're doing it necessarily, but I just I do think that there's no substitute for physically being at the track. I think that it really helps with the broadcast. And we've seen that in recent times with, you know, some of the truck races being broadcasted from a studio. And I think that there's just no substitute for being at the track. And that's the same with a pre-race show. And it just brings a completely different level of energy um, and excitement for not only those that are physically there at the track, but those watching on TV. And I would love nothing more than to see some kind of a return um, You know, for their pre-race shows, and we've seen Fox do it a little bit. They did it um, at the Coliseum last year and this year, where um, their studio hosts for uh, Race Hub and Race Day were actually there at the Coliseum. And and I just think it makes a difference, whether you know it be pre or or post race, and and just bringing a, a completely different level of excitement. And I think that it's it's really good for the fans, and it just really I think helps generate that excitement and interest necessary to keep people uh, entertained and, and, you know, get them interested in these races.
0: And engaged. And another word that kind of comes to my mind is you were speaking, Andy, a spontaneity. They have a spontaneity that you don't see on most shows uh, that really works for them. Um, Jay, you get to bring up the next hot topic.
4: Well, I I looked through the list. I don't know that there's any others that we really need to hit on. This one wasn't necessarily on there, but I know it's kind of been talked about. I think even Sal and Sharon were talking about it, um, how good this Bristol dirt race was, and now whether or not it comes back anymore. And I I didn't share. I know that that was being evaluated by Marcus Smith and uh, SMI. Um, we haven't seen an announcement or not whether or not they come back for a fourth year and beyond.
0: Okay, Andy, your thoughts.
4: Well,
5: this was the best Bristol Dirt race we've seen for sure. I I thought last night was a good race. I have not seen the truck race yet. Uh, I did record it. I'll watch it tomorrow. But the Cup race last night was really good. And you know, I I think that, you know, and I'll I'll admit that. I'm part of this group, too. We've been criticized, um, you know, the first couple years of it. um, You know, the first year was pretty tough. But I feel like every time they've done this, NASCAR has consulted with, you know, dirt specialists and and the teams and drivers to try to to make things better, you know. And I feel like this third installation of the cup race at Bristol Dirt was, was pretty good. The race wasn't messy i didn't feel like there were some incidents last night but overall it was good racing a good product Uh, i was entertained there was a lot of side-by-side racing Um, i was on the edge of my seat for most of the night it was fantastic I, i don't have anything bad to say about it i do still like the idea of maybe doing dirt at like an eldora you know a place that's specifically a dirt track Um, I do still stand behind that, but last night was not bad by any means, and if they could do what they did last night every year, I I don't really see why there would be any grounds for criticism.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit torn on this question as well, uh, Andy, because I too am thinking I wish they'd go to a dirt track instead of putting all that dirt on Bristol. But I think about what uh, Jay has said so many times and that is don't be so quick to judge let's give it a chance to work out the bugs and the kinks and and see what happens and uh, that's exactly what we're seeing now with bristol motor speedway on dirt um or should i say the dirt on bristol motor speedway um it, it really is uh uh it really was a really fantastic race to watch uh at uh at the track this year there was a lot of action Uh, i thought that you know all things considered we talked a little bit about the priest and and uh kyle larson thing but for the most part i think the drivers did everything they could to race that race very cleanly as best they could it's not easy when you're racing on dirt um and uh, that's the thing that happens at these tracks. Uh, but then we don't want it to be easy for the drivers. We want them to have a challenge, and that's what Bristol Motor Speedway offers now with the with the dirt racing there. So I am real pleased uh, with what we saw uh, this weekend at Bristol, and. Uh, I would not be upset if they decided to do it for a fourth year. I think that would be fine. Uh, But like Andy, there's a part of me that kind of wishes that they would go back to Eldora and race on the dirt there. Um, I don't know if there's a conflict there. I don't know what the conflict could be because they've gone to Sharon Speedway where Ryan Blaney um, is at for the SRX uh, race. Uh, Not Ryan Blaney, but Dave Blaney. Um, but anyway, I, I just think that, uh, it would be good, uh, if they went to a dirt track and maybe they, maybe it's Eldora one year and a different dirt track another year, but, um, uh, and maybe it wouldn't be such a horrible idea to think about two dirt track races, one at Bristol and one somewhere else. Um, but I will say this. One of the things, that they're sitting down to consider this, uh, one of the things that they do have to take a look at is it, there were not uh, – I made the comment to my brother, I wish there were more fans in the stands uh, than what we're seeing. Uh, we've got to work on how do we get fans back to the track and fill those seats because uh, those were the glory days of NASCAR when every seat was filled. And I remember a day uh, when Bristol Motor Speedway, you couldn't get a ticket to Bristol Motor Speedway because those tickets were handed down from family uh, one generation to the next. Uh, so... Um, uh, I, I wish we could see more fans in the stands, and maybe if they do another dirt race, maybe Easter weekend is not the best time to be at Bristol Motor Speedway for a dirt race. Maybe they need to think about doing it on a different weekend and take that weekend off. Uh, just some thoughts going through my head. Jay?
4: Well, that's that's one of them. I think there's a couple of factors when it comes to the uh, the attendance, but... Um, First off, just uh, addressing the dirt race itself. Um, Everybody knows I'm a dirt track guy. They have made improvements. I think there's still a few little things that could be done um, to continue to improve it if they do. I am with you both, and I've said this when it comes to road courses as well. We've seen manufactured road courses within Charlotte and Indianapolis. I'm like, there are great road courses out there like Road America. I was so upset to see that go on, get on the schedule and then go away. This is no different with the, with the dirt track. I would agree with you both on that. Um, we've seen some improvement and good things from uh, Bristol, but having it at a dirt track. Problem there is, yeah, you'd fill the grandstands because it can only hold ten, twenty, thirty thousand versus what they're trying to get back to of 155 at Bristol. Right. So I understand that. Same reason they went away from short tracks in in itself, like North Wilkesboro, the capacity just wasn't there. But um, like I said, is it better to fill thirty thousand into a one hundred fifty-five stadium, or fill a grandstand of thirty thousand at a short track such as North Wilkesboro or Eldora? Uh, I'm not real sure what the Eldora deal is. I saw something on that. If somebody needs to apologize to Tony Stewart so they can work it out, I don't know what happened there or why that went away. Um, I can't give anything more than that. I saw that statement. Um, So I don't want to get into that, but there must have been something there. The racing itself, I I wanted to go to this of having watched the truck race and then the beginning of the cup race. It wasn't that there wasn't a lot of racing action, and I know Mike has this when he talks about races. Um, It looked like if you could get out front, you were good. You'd get away. The racing, though, was going on throughout the field, Um, the battles we saw. A lot of them were towards the middle of the pack, the back of the pack. However, we've seen it the last two years, coming down to the end, the track uh, slicked off, as they say, and we got to see that another lap or even that half lap. Tyler Reddick said it. I, I had one shot left, and the caution came out. I didn't get to take it. Don't know if it would have worked. We might have seen him do what uh, Chase Briscoe did the year before and it not worked, but um, it was still a a great battle in those closing laps, and we saw three- and four-wide racing. If they got four-wide, one guy spun out, nobody hit him. Uh, That was impressive. I know Michael McDowell did it twice. So (laughs) overall, though, as it, it is for the Bristol dirt race, I know the weather's been a factor. Um, I'll hit that on the second time around. But big shout out to the crew with what the rain they got on Friday had to cancel everything. That track actually was phenomenal as far as handling the trucks in the Cup Series.
0: Okay, Andy.
5: Yeah, I think Sharon, you nailed. You know something that I was going to mention too about you know racing on Easter weekend. Uh, I, I think that that. That coupled with the weather has played into, you know, attendance suffering a bit for the spring race. Um, if you moved it maybe a little bit later in the spring, you know, on a Saturday night, maybe maybe it would be better. I'm not sure, but I did notice the stands were a bit sparse from what I can tell last night on the TV, and you have to think that just with it being a holiday weekend, that you know, it just unless you happen to live maybe within driving distance and could do, you know, your family stuff in the morning or noontime and then make your way to the racetrack. You know, it it seemed to me that, you know, it's a weekend where most people are home with family, at least for quite a bit of us. So I don't know. I I think that you could probably tweak the schedule a bit um, to help boost that attendance. The spring race has struggled a bit though for quite some time. Um, The weather has been a problem. I've been to two spring race weekends, both 2018 and 2021. Weather was a problem both times. And I think that, you know, it's just so fickle in the, you know, the late March through April timeline that, you know, it lends itself to having issues, Um, you know. So to that point, maybe trying to run the race later in the spring, um, when the weather's a little bit different, maybe, you know, on a Saturday night would help. I'm not really sure, but, you know, the spring race has struggled. And that's the whole idea of the dirt race to begin with is because of the fact that the spring race has struggled in recent years. And I think that NASCAR felt like making it a dirt event would help keep Bristol on the schedule uh, for two race dates. I, I find it hard to believe that Bristol wouldn't have two race dates. I think it's a fantastic racetrack that puts on good racing, whether it be the dirt or concrete version. Personally, I, I love the concrete version. I kind of feel like Bristol should be Bristol, you know, as in the concrete version of itself every time NASCAR races on it. So, um, you know, so it is, to, it is bittersweet to see it run as a dirt race. For the spring event, um, but I thought I did think it was good for sure. You know, good racing. You know, certainly enjoyed watching it last night. But yeah, there's probably things that can be done to to help further improve attendance and maybe make the weekend even better.
0: Okay, yeah, I I agree with everything you guys are saying. <laughs> Again, uh, not a whole lot to add there. That uh, uh, we enjoyed the race. Wouldn't mind seeing it come back. Uh, but wouldn't mind also seeing us race on a on a another dirt track. And Jay, you bring up a good point: uh, <clears throat> the thirty thousand in a hundred and sixty thousand stadium, or do you want thirty thousand at a thirty thousand capacity track? Um, <clears throat> either way, you're getting the same number of people. It's just the perception that people have when they watch the race, uh, you know, and they see the empty seats. Uh, it's it's just not a good look uh, for the sport. We want to see lots of people there cheering on the cars and cheering for their favorite drivers and and that sort of thing. Uh, I think one of the problems that they have, and I don't know if it's just with the spring race or not, but, uh, there's so many venues that are within a, uh, I don't know how many mile radius, but there's a bunch of tracks that are pretty close together right there. And I've often wondered if if they didn't have so many of those events. Like Martinsville, it's not that far away from Bristol. Um, uh, but then Nashville isn't that far away either, Um I'm wondering if those tracks are taken away. Families can only spend so much on these race tickets that can be kind of expensive. Uh, I do know that one of the things that NASCAR has done is they said kids can come free uh, for uh, a lot of these races now. Uh, and that allows some of these parents. And we did see a lot of families with kids in the stands. Uh, and I think that is a good thing for NASCAR to do. But, um I don't know. I just think the perception is better if you've got 30,000 and a 30,000 capacity uh, location versus 30,000 and a 100,000 capacity location. So, uh, Jay, you get the final word here.
4: Well, abstract attendance is a battle for all facilities. Um, You mentioned the rain. That's been extremely uh, tough, and I know you talked about moving the date. Um, I know Atlanta has struggled with that in the past as well. Obviously, a concrete track is easier to dry and get race ready than a dirt track, um, but they made it work, and that's why I said i got to give a big shout-out to that crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing you mentioned about, though, is running on Easter Sunday, and we've been talking about the at-track activities and involvement. Uh, I will say this, as a Christian, NASCAR has done a great job of their pre-race uh, last year, I believe it was Max Lucado that was there. This year, Tim Tebow. They have the service and pre-race mm-hmm. orientated around that to include that. So I think they did a great job of embracing that. Um, whether or not they should actually race on that particular Sunday, again, that's a whole separate debate. But the fact that they are, I thought they do a great job of um, embracing that and making an at track. Um, service available as they have done so I'm okay with them doing it in that manner whether or not moving the date would help you mentioned it, they they brought the dirt concept to Bristol for that reason to begin with was the spring race was suffering, anyhow they thought that change might be and it may be that it has run its course um, I know like I said that they're, they're talking about it, considering it um, understand both sides of it, I think we could go another year or two uh having that one dirt race per year whether the drivers like it or not I think is a good thing. Um do I want to see five dirt races? No I don't. Uh you know right and, and that's coming from a dirt track guy. The, you know that once maybe twice like you said if they do one at an actual dirt track and you mentioned that uh I think Sharon was specifically there are only the truck series did Eldora and Knoxville. Um Now, that's for the truck series. The cup series would be even tougher, I think, but there are only so many tracks in the country that can even handle uh, the cup series race, and we've talked about that as far as then even a regular race on concrete. Some of these facilities just, um, the upgrades they would have to make uh, installing the safer barriers, the traffic flow to them, a lot of your dirt tracks are generally out in the middle of nowhere, one road in, one uh, one way in, one way out, and that's always a factor. So there's a lot of logistics to it. Um I think Eldora is. I've always wanted to see the Cup Series at Eldora, but we'll see what could be done and what they what they decide uh moving forward, but I do I would like to see it one or two more times. If they got to move it to another venue, um but I do think they they should find a way to incorporate that one dirt race at least per year.
0: All right. Uh Andy
5: Yes.
0: Do you have another topic for us?
5: Oh, yeah. Um, I think one that we can probably do pretty quickly here. Uh looks like Daniel Suarez is going to run an SRX event later this summer.
0: Okay. Jay, your thoughts about Daniel Suarez?
4: Well, the SRX series, we've talked about this. I, I think it's been a great program. I know it's gone through some changes with going to Thursday nights instead of on the weekend on Saturday. Um, I think there's good reason for that decision. I believe it was Brad Keselowski who's announced to run one, said it kind of opens that up. Now we see Daniel Suarez. They pick out a local driver um, from the area to have as one of their contestants. So I think they're doing a great job with it. And working with these Cup Series drivers, we've seen Chase Elliott do it. I believe Ryan Blaney did when they were at um, Sharon Speedway, as you mentioned, in Ohio. Uh, And Daniel Suarez is one. I don't know what happened uh, last night uh, from the year before, kind of expected some good things from him uh, there on the dirt and at at Bristol. Didn't happen, unfortunately, but uh, I think that's one, too, of if NASCAR at the top level is going to continue to do a dirt track race, we've heard it from several drivers. They want to run the truck race. They buy their own modified just to get that experience so they can improve their cup game. And I think that's part of what you see with this as well, is Daniel Suarez says, hey, if I'm going to have to run on dirt, uh, I want to get some experience, as well as obviously helping out Tony Stewart in the SRX program, I think has been phenomenal. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, bring me goes to dirt.
0: <laughs> okay, I agree. I think uh, Daniel Suarez joining the SRX is going to be a positive thing. He's going to bring a different audience uh, to those races and uh he'll bring his uh daniel's amigos maybe and uh we'll be able to see uh uh what he's able to do but you bring up a good point as well of um getting more experience on the dirt. Uh, we've seen several drivers do this sort of thing. Uh, Matt Crafton did it a few years ago. He raced on dirt. He didn't tell anybody he was doing that, but he was out racing on dirt to try to get better for those Eldora uh, races. Uh, and and that could very well be what Daniel Suarez is doing by uh, joining the SRX. Um, it's going to be at Thunder Road in Vermont. Andy, uh, so it might be a race that you
5: can get to on July the 20th. Yeah, quite possibly. Also, um, hoping maybe Stafford will work out, too, uh, down in Connecticut. So, um, well, that's good news. I, I'm really excited about this year's SRX races because of the fact that they're now running on Thursday nights. It has really allowed uh, some pretty significant NASCAR involvement, not just from you know, retired drivers like, like Bobby Lavani and, and Ryan Newman and those guys, but from active drivers. And that's, okay. I think going to help generate even more interest for the series. Uh, I love the series. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed that first year a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know that I got to watch any of the races last year, which was disappointing, but I'm hoping to catch them all this year if possible. I think it's a really fun series um that they do every summer and and i think that it's been really good to see some nascar involvement you know more so this year than any other year and i i I think that'll it it just really helps put um you know eyes on the sport you know if if you're a if you're a kevin harvick fan and you hear that he's going to run the srx race at stafford which he is you know, maybe you'll tune in and watch that race. And so I, I just think that it really helps generate interest. And um, I think that they've made some positive changes to really help grow that series. So it's, it's going to be good. And, and obviously Daniel Suarez is the latest addition to the series that I think will really help them grow. He's got a, a pretty big fan base, um, you know, to, to Jay's point, you know, the amigos will probably tune in and watch that, you know, so it's a good thing. <laughs> and, you know, it'll be, It'll be fun to see these cup drivers go up against you know the likes of retired NASCAR drivers as well as some of the open wheel guys, and it should be fun,
0: okay. uh Jay, uh, did I read somewhere that they are going to um, be televising those races on ESPN this year?
4: Well, Sharon, I don't know what you've read. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I believe that is. I, I don't remember who did. Yeah. Well, they, they announced that, I think we covered it on a hot topic at the latter part of last year. I know it went away from CBS and I think that's kind of what, what, what we all kind of led back to of ESPN, maybe doing more coverage. So I think you're right. I think it was ESPN cause that kind of brought back the flashback to speed TV, but um, it is on it's, a different network. I know it is no longer. Okay. Andy confirmed it. There you go. It is ESPN. Okay.
5: The intriguing Thursday thing is we don't yet know. Yeah. We, it's going to be interesting. I I don't know that they've announced any of the broadcast team and, and who's going to work those races. I'm really intrigued about that, but it will be ESPN uh, Thursday nights at nine, like you said, Sharon. So, um, looking forward to seeing what they can do. I thought CBS was fantastic. I really enjoyed their return mm-hmm. to motorsports, so I lament seeing them not doing the races, but ESPN's been around a long time and, you know, maybe uh you know, it'll be just as good, hopefully.
0: Okay. Uh Jay. I can well, you
4: a look there. <laughs> okay, um yeah, just to wrap it up, I, we all agree it's been a great program. I think one of the key things is the overall putting attention on racing, and it comes from all forms. I commend Tony Stewart for what he's done there and all the other entities, NASCAR, IndyCar, uh, I believe there's been one or two drag racers um, bringing them all together and getting one focus, especially then you got the dirt track versus the um, asphalt fans bringing them together, and now we're going to have the Uh, We talked about the Amigos from Daniel Suarez' side, the Mexican demographic. So I I think it's all really good things. And the last thing I'll say is, Andy, I know you and Mike like to put a lot of focus on the broadcasters. I think it'd be great to have a local announcer maybe do some of that. I'm just saying. (laughs) You know, that's that's really
5: not a bad idea to have the local tracks maybe do their own races. That's really not a bad idea. Uh, That sounds
0: like fun. All right. Uh, Yeah, they're going to do uh, six consecutive Thursday nights this summer for the six races in the uh, SRX, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Um, I I think it's great that Daniel's uh, going to be racing in that series. Uh, Like I said, I know he's going to bring new fans to the series, and uh, uh, it's a win-win all the way around. Uh, and they will follow Daniel wherever he races i'm sure so uh and I do like uh i I like you, Andy. I like that it was on c b s last year with alan bestwick and and those guys. They always did a, a such a great job of uh covering those races, so i can 't wait to see who the announcers are going to be, whether it 's the local tracks announcers, or uh, if it's going to be somebody of the caliber of uh, Alan Bestwick, uh, we'll have to wait and see. You get the follow, the wrap-up, Andy.
5: Yeah, not much to really add, um, other than I hope Alan Bestwick is a part of this new coverage. I, I miss seeing him do NASCAR races. He's, he's a, a world-class talent, does a fantastic job, so maybe some of that CBS broadcast team will move over and do the ESPN races, Um, you know, certainly really excited about that and and really excited about the series coming back. So it should be fun. Um, And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to it.
0: Okay. Let's go ahead and do our round table. Jay, we'll start with you.
4: Uh, You can follow me on. All right, uh, yeah, right, can't do round. Uh, uh, tonight, uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram, and I will be here this Thursday. i got to take the following Thursday off as Jackson Motor Speedway is going to have a Thursday night race here coming in a couple of weeks, so Sharon, don't forget that.
0: Yep, I think we've got it already covered. We'll wait and see.
4: <laughs> All right, good deal.
0: Okay, Andy?
4: Uh yeah. Uh
5: Jay, I think that's um next Thursday and I've got that uh tentatively planned to cover it. Hopefully work will allow me to do it. I'll you know, certainly let you know, Sharon, when I when I find anything out with that. But um V fourteen fan on Twitter, good to be back on tonight after missing last Thursday and um it's always fun to talk racing with you guys and looking forward to hopefully being back on Thursday night.
0: Okay uh and i am fan racing site on twitter fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else including the website com. uh <clears throat> we had nick sanchez on the show earlier Sal, or jay and i were talking about it a little bit at the beginning of the hot topic uh segment here uh It was a really good interview with Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing. His first year, Rev Racing is racing the Truck Series full-time, and Nick Sanchez is their guy. And he's having a heck of a season. He's 10th in the series point standings, and uh, he's had two poles, two top tens and one top five uh, so far on the season. So I can't wait to see what he does for the rest of the season. And... uh, Uh, I really like the attitude uh, and some of the answers he gave us that kind of told me what his attitude is. Um, And uh, I really encourage everybody uh, to listen to that interview at the top of uh, the first uh, – it's the second half hour. I'll put it that way. Uh, Also, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We always appreciate them taking the time to hear what we have to say. Uh, And we hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy doing this. And uh, with that, guys, I think uh, we'll be back Thursday night for our preview show. We'll be previewing three races at Martinsville Speedway this weekend, Jay.
4: Yeah, we're going to have our hands full, but it's an exciting race to preview.
5: (laughs) And, Sharon, just real quick. Real quick, just wanted to touch on the, the Nick Sanchez um, interview you mentioned. I'll go back and listen to that, and I look forward to that because, you know, looking at some of these up-and-coming drivers, um, if you go back and read some of the the group, you know, race day chats between me and Mike, you know, I, I, I think he's the real deal. He's, he's done a really good job, and he's on the verge of winning races, and, you know, I think all but had that Texas race won, if not for those late cautions. The kid's the real deal, and you can tell that, you know, that talent's going to take him pretty far. He, he's really good. So looking forward to listening to that interview.
4: Well, You, you right want right. to listen to it, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's
5: a good kid. He's a really good kid.
0: He is. He is. Thank you, uh, Andy. I appreciate that. And I'm hoping, I have a guest uh, kind of tapped on the shoulder right now for Thursday night. I'm hoping he's able to make it. Um, and uh, I can't tell you who it is because I don't know if if he can make it this Thursday, but I will tell you this, that if he can't make it on Thursday night, uh, he is going to try to make it uh, sometime soon. So uh, stay tuned for who that guest might be. Uh, and with that, we'll call it a night here on Fanfare Racing Radio. Uh, thank you to our Fanfare Racing crew, and that would be Sal Sigala as well as uh, Jay Husman and Andy Lasky. You guys are all great.
4: Have a good night. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night.
2: plus.